Northside Connection Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wrestling War Zone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as ever is my partner Chad. Of course, coming at you live on YouTube and any podcast application audio form as well. Be sure to subscribe to both methods of communication. Check out all the shows you have to offer, both on YouTube in video format and audio format on podcasts. Applications around the world. We have content coming at you each and every day, including right now our daily no-sell countdown, ranking every single War Games match leading up to Survivor Series this year. WWE, NXT, Crockett, WCW, all 23 of them, uh, one per day. They're quick videos, 10 minutes or so. Check it out and share with us if you agree or disagree with our rankings. Chad, how are you? Um, I was doing good. Uh, was okay. Until, until now? <laughs> no. <laughs> 10 minutes. We had 10 minutes on uh, Keith talking about his uh, Hasbro figure collection, but uh, I digress. No, another rant. Starting it off hot. Here we go. <laughs> Everything was going swimmingly tonight. Came home with some nice Chipotle. They got the carne asada back. It was enjoying a nice meal, reviewing the mail. And what do I see but a traffic citation in the mail? Um, Speed camera? So it is. It's a camera in a school zone. And it's, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I may need to call Clarence Mason on this. I'm ready to fight. All right. So the school zone speed limit is 50 miles per hour. I was going 61. The regular speed limit on the road is 60. Uh, the uh, the school time, I believe, ends at 4 o'clock. I'm going to confirm that tomorrow when I drive it. Uh, the, the date, the time stamp on the citation is 3.57 p.m., so three minutes away. Um, and this is one of those, you know, like with a lot of the cameras that are hanging from the traffic light, this is like almost in the heels. I think six may have been recording this camera. <laughs> like you can't. Rob Feinstein. Yeah. Like you no, you're, going over, you're going under 18. You're safe. <laughs> I'll pretend you said 18. Uh, no, I, you can't, you can't see like, you know, like the ones on the, the, uh, on the traffic light, you know, you, they have that angle where you can see in the car. So you can see the person driving. You can't see nothing except my car and the tag. So, I mean, the the Yeti could be driving my car. Like, you have no idea. Right, so, right. I, I guess it's one of those, like, it's registered to your me. Car, so yeah, I'm responsible yeah. for it. But, man, like, that is so cheap. Like, oh, it's just so annoying. Like, one... Like, if it was three minutes later, I was literally going one mile per hour over, which is lame. 11 miles per hour over, period, is pretty lame. It's just so stupid. Like, all this junk, like, you know, I, I don't know. I'll try not to get political, but you, here's, here's, oh, do, do I, do I bust this out? Uh, well, if, it is, it is uh, usually around this time, uh, around election day. That's that right. We have our most popular <laughs> rants on, on again, Kevin Kelly on his thoughts. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. Like if you're to calling, if your stance is, you know, Second Amendment, right? With gun control and all this stuff. 
and my all my rights, all this stuff. Then, then what is your defense for these random cameras that get set up anywhere yeah. that are you know just? I mean, it's it's a camera. There's nobody. I'm minding my own business, and I'm getting a citation that's paying money now. Or you have to fight it, which is, you know, it's whatever. I mean, I'm sure they'll say, like, well, I'm, 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 no. I see chatty on the people's court fighting the man. It's just that's bullshit. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, and I, I had a pretty good streak going. I hadn't had any traffic citations since 2014. So I almost had a decade. The camera is brilliant by them in a way. I mean, if they can get away with it, because that illuminates the, you know, my brother's a cop, my buddy's a cop, right? They, they yeah. take that out of the equation now. Yeah, now all that's fun. out of the yeah. equation. It's just somebody, I mean, I mean, the fact that this citation has a police officer sign it, it's like, well, what, I mean, what, 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 so now what, what if they don't show up? Is that still the same deal? No, I mean, it, the, I did, I did do some uh, due diligence. Um, that was always the thing, right? If the cop didn't show, they would throw it out. Or whatever. Well, so in 2014, I tried that. Like I, um, Oh, the 2014 thing, I was in downtown Atlanta traffic. We were backed up. I had to get into the lane, the uh, the the lane to turn right. But I was backed up enough to where it was, you know, right as the ramp starts. So there's there they had the little bubbles, you know, on the on the side of the road for like the shoulder or whatever. But this this it's it's downtown Atlanta fucking sucks all right like the traffic sucks so it's always backed up enough that there was a pathway where they didn't have the bubbles that every car goes through because you're so backed up you're gonna go through like two three cycles of light so every car goes through to get to the right hand lane well I did that like I'd done a hundred times before and there was a motorcycle cop that came up right behind me Pacific Blue yeah Pacific Blue pulled, pulled me over and then the citation was like driving in an emergency lane or some nonsense. Like I was just, you know, like Kramer running out of gas, flying down the emergency lane or something. I was literally in it for two seconds. Um, so that was like that citation in, in Atlanta, because Atlanta's so dumb, you actually, any citation over a minor speeding of less than 10 miles, which if you get a citation for that, what are you doing with your life? But any citation less than 10 miles, you have to show up to court. They, It's mandatory that you have to appear in front of the judge. So I appeared in front of the judge and was like, uh, yeah, not guilty or whatever. <laughs> like I'm fighting it, and and they were like, oh well, we'll we'll have to set up another date for the person to come. And I said that. I said, oh, I thought he had to be here. Or like it's a no contest, and all. And it was a whole bunch of no, blah blah blah. You got a lot, you know, basically a whole bunch. It's a lot. You might as well just pay it. And that's the same case with this. This is a seventy five dollar citation. Um, but it's so annoying. Like it's so lame. Like this whole thing's lame. It's just stupid. So yeah. When I was a, I was driving through Arizona, and I got pulled over for not letting somebody merge in out of a parking lot. Which I mean, that's not a thing here. Like, if you let someone out of a parking lot here, you were doing the nicest thing in the world. But like, it was a two lane road, and I was in the right lane. Yeah. And, like, and a, someone was trying to come out of like a lot, and I went by them. 
I guess I was supposed to move over to let the. I have no idea. The guy pulled me over. He probably saw the rental plates and was like, "This guy's from out of town. I'm gonna bust him up." But I don't think I ended up getting a ticket. I think he let me go. Yeah, like, that's what. Um, a couple of years ago, I didn't get a citation, but I did get pulled over because it was a two lane road and there was a car like kind of near us, and the police officer had somebody pulled over, but was getting in his car ready to get back on. He pulled me over because he said I didn't get over to the other lane. I was like, well, look, buddy, there was a car in the other lane. Right. What do you want me to do? Like stop yeah. in the road, like really pump the brakes. I mean, what you know, come on, you're in the you're in the shoulder. I mean, this I, I should I should get the citation to show the I mean, I you know, at least with the ones again from the traffic light, you know, you're always like right. so your face. Like this. I mean, I almost, it, could been, it could have been worse. You could have been with a hooker like Larry David. <laughs> I almost want to file a police report saying my car was stolen on the day they had the <laughs> now, like retroactive. I got one before as my dad was driving my car. He went through a light and problems. Oh. And I was the same. I just paid it. But it was the same thing. It wasn't it, for real. It wasn't me driving. It was him, but it was my yeah. car. So, But did that care. affect your insurance? Because that's like a whole deal. Like you get the points or whatever. And now it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I don't. I don't think I even checked. Like I, I mean, was like a pretty minor. Much, but yeah, twenty bucks a month. That's two hundred and fifty more dollars a year because of the stupid camera three minutes away. Like it's yeah, lame. yeah. I mean, it's not gonna work for me. It's been a while. But yeah, right overdue. Yeah, I was hoping to get a decade streak, but was not meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Undertaker type streak for you, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we have a big night ahead on the War Zone. We are uh, the night after in your house final four. It's a big episode of Monday Night Raw, and it is the uh, go home for Super Brawl. So we got a lot going on, a lot cooking tonight. Yeah. It's also an interesting Raw because it's kind of the last Monday Night Raw. Like we have two more still that are under that banner, but this is kind of one of the last normal episodes of raw and even that's not really normal it's a two-hour episode we're in a bigger arena than we've been in in a while and we have some really big matches on tap so we're really in it now we got these couple bridge up that for like three months we're in it we are we are but it's every (laughs) we're in it this is it we're in it this is we're in the we're we're not in the war year oh we're getting into we're this is like your perpetual uh well i'm not gonna say it anymore you say the raw's not gonna be that bad and now like we're in it like we are We've been doing this podcast for five and a half years, and it's either, oh, I think Raw's about to turn the corner, or we're in. We did, though, right? We got there. Yeah, but so, with our recording schedule, we're talking about like six months ago, we were in it. Well, we're in it now, buddy. Okay, got it. We're in Nashville as well, where Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler welcome us. So back-to-back nights with no Vince um, in the booth. So interesting that he's not doing the, the Tennessee loop. Didn't want to see Benzani. <laughs> uh, Psycho Sid is headed to the ring and we're set. We're going to kick off the show big time with our WF world title match. Ross says Shawn Michaels visited Dr. James Andrews. And we have good and bad news. And we're going to hear from the doc later tonight. Psycho Sid stalks around the ring confidently. Our new champion comes out to a pop. That's Bret Hart. Ross tells us the big news that the Undertaker will face the world champion at WrestleMania 13 after being the finalist at Final Four. As Brett gets in the ring, Steve Austin is out. He attacks Brett, and that triggers a three-way brawl. Austin takes out Sid's knee, ends in a big pull-apart. Sid is hurting. He's hobbling in pain. And as the officials start to sort things out, 
uh, we we dip out. So a pretty hot start here, I thought. Um, we teased the match. You had to figure they probably weren't going to open with this because, again, we're our first two-hour Raw. Uh, we're going to be head-to-head with Nitro for our – well, for our two or both. Is it full? Nitro is still 8-10 to 10 too, right? Oh, I guess well, we'll get to this Nitro. I mean, like, if you look on the network, this Nitro is an hour and 50 minutes. Right. So they went late. Like, yeah. it was a long Nitro. Do, uh, are we going back and forth? We didn't talk about that. We're yeah, going we're back. going back and forth. All right, all right. So uh, what are your thoughts on this opening segment, and then where are we headed next? Good opening segment. Sid has a great shut up, and there's a <laughs> backstage promo. Um, only thing I would say from a booking standpoint, seemed a little weird that Taker just got the shot. Mm. Again, like, like that kind of screws Brett, which I guess plays in, but – it's like, well, he was a finalist in the fight. It's like, so, so, so what? He lost. Like, I mean, what, what are we doing here? I mean, and, you know, it is what it is. Like, that's the match they've been building to. But it just, I didn't, I didn't quite buy that. But as far as an opening segment, really good. Had a chaotic feel. Um, Austin's a maniac throughout this show. And this was just the first segment showing that. So good job. Uh, we go to Nitro, cold open. The limo pulling up, the NWO comes out. We're in Tampa, Florida tonight. This mm-hmm. is a this is a bizarre or uh, I don't even know if you'd call it an arena. I don't know what it was. It's like the uh George Steinbrenner Center. Um the fairgrounds. Connect- yeah, it's connected to the Florida fairgrounds. Uh, so I did a little Meltzer digging, and apparently, like a lot of people, bought a fairground ticket that night, oh, and then was pissed off that the Nitro was at capacity, like uh, oh, that's a thousand people or whatever. So, so it's probably uh, similar setup to where Raw is in the same Nashville, like the Nashville fairgrounds where TNA ran, um, where it's like a large fairgrounds that you go into with all different stuff and then like they have different buildings and in this building is TNA. So I guess in this building was Nitro on that night. Yeah. Was Raw there? Yeah. No, no. Raw's not there. I'm just saying in general, it's similar. I'm saying, I didn't know if Raw was at the Nashville arena or the, um, I don't think it was the fair the municipal auditorium. No. Municipal. Yeah. They're at where like the predators play now yeah. down yeah. right there in Broadway, which is funny because when yeah. they show this, when they show the clips of downtown Broadway, that compared to what that looks like modern day. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so they're at the fairgrounds, George Steinbrenner Center, whatever. Uh, two limos pull up, the NWO jobbers in one, and then the outsiders in six are in another one. Uh, they're kind of walking towards the arena, uh, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we hear a little bit of a commotion. And they turn back around, and Bubba's laid out. Um, a lot of speculation from the announcers saying they don't know if he tripped or what happened. They didn't even know who it was to start with. They were like, who is that down? Um, and uh, NWO is kind of looking around paranoid. Uh, so that's how we start out Nitro. What do you think about that with the cold? Open? Yeah, it was, we, we had two hot open, like, you know, two hot segments out of the gate here. Uh, both kind of setting up the night ahead, kind of an angle to kick things off. Larry calls them soulless men following the checkbook of DiBiase and disgusting oh, men. So he was he was fired up out of the game. We're still we're still. It may just be a Larry thing at this point, but yeah. still running the uh, DiBiase as the I think best. it's mainly him. I don't feel like you hear anyone else bring up DiBiase yeah. as the mastermind at this point. It's all Bischoff and Hogan for the most part. Right. Uh, so then we get our opener on uh, Nitro, which is Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Super Colo. Pretty cool. 
pretty cool opener here. Uh, Tony lets us know we're going to go live to Alcatraz. Uh, some chain wrestling to start out here. Uh, Kolo catches Ray on a uh, amazing move on the outside where he does like a springboard missile drop kick. Uh, that looked awesome. Crowd's really into Ray. Uh, Kolo also hits a big senton onto the floor onto Ray Mysterio. I thought Kolo looked really good. Uh, you know, looks cool. Uh, we go backstage again, and Bubba's being loaded to the ambulance. Uh, he has Michael Wall Street as the rock wall. <laughs> That's when you know you're at the low end of the totem pole. That, yeah, yeah, all right, go ahead, Michael. Well, go ahead. <laughs> Larry says Wall Street has enough money to cover the medical. He's so obsessed with he's the, loaded too. Yeah, he's the obsessed DVR. with Wall Street and DiBiase, the financiers of the interview for Larry. <laughs> Uh, back to ringside, Ray makes his comeback, hits the leg drop with a close angle <laughs> over the ropes. It's such an absurd line because it's like almost like they're married. It's like the way they get in the ambulance, he gets in. It's like, well, Wall Street's got the medical insurance to cover Bubba. can afford it. It's like uh, uh, there, there really could be a segment on um, ambulance rides in wrestling history and who was along for the ride along. Because I think the infamous one, like that Foley talks about in this book when he gets power bombed by uh, Cactus Jack, is Jesse the Bodies with him on that. Like, all people. <laughs> so, Come on, always, Foley. Always funny. I have an uh, underground hospital in Mexico we can go right. to. <laughs> uh, Tony lets us know Super Brawl sold out. Uh, Ray climbs up to the top, gets crushed on the top rope. Uh, Chloe takes him over with a head scissor Rana. That gets a near fall, but uh, Ray's able to come back and hit his springboard Rana for the win to a big pop. Good opener. Went, you know, six, seven minutes. A lot of fun spots. Uh, that springboard missile drop kick spot. I've, I've never seen that performed even to this day from an angle, and that feels like something you'd see on almost any yeah. indie show. So um, I'm surprised that hasn't been lifted and added to a lot of uh, wrestlers' repertoire, but a uh, really fun opener. I went three stars. This venue is weird, but I thought it looks pretty cool. Like the yep. crowd is right on top of the ring. So, like, it feels like you're really heated in the action. Yep. Um, you know, definitely a hot ma match on paper. I like this as an opener. Uh, Tony runs down the night ahead. We got a lot going on here on this episode. He also mentions the Steiners in a car accident uh, after Saturday night. So they're out of Super Brawl now. Yep. And the rumors are the outsiders are involved. So big news there that we'll get to. Um, but this was, this was fun. I mean, you know, we had the cutaway to Bubba in Wall Street. We had the commentary focus all over the place. The crowd was into it. A lot of, you know, maniacal flying around. This is the hot opener we need. On Nitro, after months of getting, you know, some of that other crap that we've gone through, and the Duggins and the, you know, other type of guys, whatever. Wall Street, yeah, Wall the Street, two idiots driving off in the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, we get a lot of the Enos and those guys, right? Like, so we're getting finally, like, okay, a hot cruiser match. So, uh, there was a great showcase. They both took advantage of it, and I went three stars as well. All right, we'll head back to Raw. All right, so we get clips of Shawn Michaels' speech at Thursday Raw. Thursday, Ross and King narrate stills of the main event from In Your House, where Bret Hart won the vacant world title. Kevin Kelly's backstage with Psycho Sid, who's in a lot of pain. Sid tells Kevin to shut up and shut says up! he'll face Bret Hart uh, tonight, even if his leg is broken. He'll go through hell. And if Austin is, needs to go through Austin as well, he will. And Kevin confirms the match will happen tonight. And then we head to the ring for our opening contest from Nashville. It is Mark Merrow taking on Savio Vega. 
Mero and Sable hit the ring. Ross talks about the newfound aggression from both of them. We get stills from his win over Cassidy the night before. The whole nation is out with Savio and Crush for this matchup. Farouk and a couple of lackeys stand up in the rafters above the aisle to watch. Ross mixes up one of the lackeys to Clarence Mason, uh, which I thought was funny. And this is the nation is just an elaborate, elaborate street gang. Vega starts quickly with strikes. Mero comes back with arm drags and a drop kick and knocks Savio to the floor. He flies into Vega and crushed with a somersault plancha. Back inside, Savio takes over, kicks and chokes away. Ross hypes up the nation's big six-man win last night. Savio gets a spin heel kick in the corner. Mero gets a cross body for two. Savio beats him back down. Ross says Ahmed Johnson has been released from the hospital in Lowell. He's been there since Thursday. Mero comes firing back with a flurry of strikes, but Savio hits a stun gun to regain control. He chokes away, gets a snap suplex. He throws Mero to the floor. PG-13 get involved, but Sable cleans them both out with kicks, so she's definitely up in the aggression here. Back inside, Sable misses. Uh, Savio misses a charge to the corner. Mero heats up, hits a Samoan drop. Sable gets in the ring as the nation quarter her, and the referee calls for the bell. In comes Ahmed, fresh from Lowell, cleans house with a two-by-four, and everyone runs off. Um, I, you know, fine. Was it long enough to suck? I'll give him that. Uh, they kept it pretty tight. Merrill's been better. I like the aggressiveness from him. Like that's definitely made his matches more tolerable. Savio's the same as always, but didn't really get a lot of time to slow it down. Uh, whatever for the finish. I mean, why not just have Ahmed cause the DQ? Like why is Sable getting the ring a DQ? That made no sense. So I went, I went two stars. Um, and we kind of talked about our last episode for final four, but this is Merrill. I mean, uh, yeah, this is Merrill's last match before he goes on the shelf for quite a while with a knee injury. Uh, we're not going to see him till October, I believe, October, November Jeez. in there. So he's gone for a while uh, with a pretty bad knee injury. So this is it. That's Kenny Loggins once said. <laughs> uh, and this is actually when I started liking him. I, this match was actually more energetic and better than yeah. I would have guessed going in. I went two and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, uh, you know, pretty good back and forth match. I thought Savio looked more engaged, uh, with the heel roll. I like the aggression from Mero as well as Sable. She, uh, kicks when she kicks. Yeah, the kicks weren't bad. Yeah. On the outside there. Um, and then Ahmed coming in, he got a nice pop when he comes in and is like, I don't know what color would you, it was like a red pinkish. <laughs> yes, uh, Ahmed has some interesting attire. Very choice. 90s, very mm-hmm. 90s. Uh, but he comes in for the big save with the two by four, gets a big pop. So, so I yeah. thought it was pretty good. It was fine. Yeah. Right out, of, right out of Lowell Hospital, right to Nashville. <laughs> yes. Uh, back to Nitro for another big match. Hugh Morris versus Mongo. Uh, we talked about it before, but uh, well, Hugh Morris, I, I mean, uh, he's still with the Dungeon of Doom, but gets no support. There's no Jimmy Hart. No support. He gets his own music. It's very odd. Yeah. Uh, Deborah tells the camera, I know you people love me. <laughs> um, so there you go. Uh, Larry compares Piper to Superman going into the Fortress fortress of Solitude. So uh, nerd, nerd Zabisco uh, laying mm-hmm. it down there. Well, he doesn't um, know the comics. I'm sure it's just from the movie. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> uh, Reeves is a real man's man. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, Morris kind of clowns Mongo by doing the uh, four horsemen sign down. Uh, Mongo clips Morris, and uh, you know, I said it in the last match on Raw, but I actually thought this was a little better yeah. than I would have expected, too. Right. Uh, Mongo misses a leg drop and kind of injures his leg. Morris taunts Debra, which was dumb. He took way too long. 
of a time doing that. Uh, Tony calls Deborah gorgeous on commentary. So <laughs> horn dog Tony's out tonight. Uh, Morris works over Mongo's leg a little bit. He clowns to the crowd, gets caught in an electric chair. Uh, I'll get this from Mongo. I thought he sold the the uh, leg well. He was limping around doing his part for that. Uh, they uh, contemplate if like Deborah will throw in the sash to like give up like she did in the match previously. Uh, but with the distraction, Deborah is able to slip Mongo the Halliburton. Uh, as Hugh Morris goes up for the no laughing matter, Mongo puts the Halliburton on his chest. Morris eats the uh, Halliburton on the way down on the no laughing matter and then wins. And uh, Deborah turns to the camera and says, now that's funny. So there you go. Um, yeah, pretty pretty basic match. But again, I thought it was a little better than I would have expected. So I, yeah, I ended up giving it two and a quarter. All right. Still flick Chad in the house, and I like it. Where, uh, uh, where in the pantheon of Dungeon of Doom horseman matches? <laughs> this one rank. Um, <laughs> it's up there. The uh, Tony really goes in on the women. A special Sean Kid podcast can be <laughs> chronicling all of the. Uh, <laughs> yes. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Seven months of boredom. Uh, so Tony <laughs> talks about how the, the women have really affected the dungeon. Says uh, woman and Jacqueline have really taken their toll. Uh, I thought the, the match, yeah, the match is fine. The finish is fine. We get more talk about Piper, like you said, more talk about the Steiners. Um, I, you know, I'm a Mongo guy. Like, I've always been fine with him. I yeah, think he's but... okay and brings the energy for sure. Uh, I like the spurt of offense he had. And, yeah, Deborah continues to drive to the goals. We do get talk here about, again, at Super Bowl, Jarrett versus Mongo. If Jarrett wins, he's a horseman. So we'll see how Deborah handles that match as well. So I want to start in a half, but that was perfectly fine. Uh, just before we hop over to Raw, they then uh, kind of reset us at the booth, but they show a, a, a quickish package of Piper versus Hogan. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really well done. It had kind of somber music. We see a lot of clips of their interaction over yep. the past couple months. Um, a lot better than that terrible Super Brawl program uh, promo oh, God, of that yeah. dude in the whatever he is, the crazy scientist. I think boy. he's an, is he supposed to be an Alcatraz too? I don't know what's going on with that. It makes no sense. It's it's making Adam and George look coherent. So, All so. there, they are. That's one thing that they do not get right is like the pay per view like ads and the preview like the promo packages to open the show like are besides sold out, which I know we liked, but like the, the rest have really been. Just like cheesy and, and weak. Like yeah, they're, they're definitely lacking the creative of WF and this one's really I mean this should this should take the place of that. Yeah, this was good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh back to Raw. Jim Ross walks us through what happened with the nation and Ahmed. He talks to Bret Hart backstage. He says he's got gonna get used to Austin constantly getting involved in my business. Tonight's gonna be a tough fight. He'll go on to the next match and says he's fine facing the Undertaker at WrestleMania too. Doesn't bother him. Uh, we go back to the ring as Rocky Maivia, our intercontinental champions in the house, to take on Leaf Cassidy. Uh, I thought, yeah, Rocky got a good little reaction here in Nashville. Sonny's out. She's the guest timekeeper. Of course, Lawler gets horny oh, as always. He's out, all right. <laughs> he says, Sonny has two of the wonders of the world, which I thought was, was yeah. rare good line from the king. Uh, we see clips of a big Sonny photo shoot. She's the most downloaded star in AOL history and will be on Entertainment Tonight. 
tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, they kept saying that. It's like the, uh, what's the one saved by the bell? The college years, uh, we're living on the edge of tomorrow today. Yeah. Uh, Leaf, Ca- Leaf Cassidy gets in Rocky's face. He shoves him down, comes firing at him, knocks him to the floor. Leaf goes to the gut, flips back in the ring and clubs at the champion. Rocky gets a body block for two as Ross runs down the uh, slate of upcoming shows. We're going to go to Alabama, Tennessee, Durham, New Hampshire, New Haven, Connecticut, home of Jim Duggan and Glens Falls, New York, and then the Manhattan Center. Yes, the Manhattan Center for Raw next week. We're back where it all began a week from tonight. Rocky works the arm as Hunter pops in from backstage. and calls Rocky lucky, and he's going to focus on getting his title back. Also gives a warning to Goldust. Leaf takes control of the match because it ends a Gary. Leaf works through some comeback attempts, keeps landing some sharp kicks, cranking on the arm. We get a random split screen of Ross and King just to see an ECW sign behind Jerry Lawler. Very interesting placement. Leaf continues to beat on the arm. Ross tells us in two weeks, Raw will be live from Berlin with the title, with the finals of the European title tournament. First, we're hearing of this. We're hearing about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we got two big Raws coming up, Manhattan Center and then Berlin. Uh, Leaf gets a big axe handle off the top for two. Rocky fires back. We get the split screen again. And now King is arguing with the fan that has the ECW sign. Rocky gets two on a high cross body, then hits a shoulder breaker to get the win. Very long. I, I mean, look, plus points. For letting guys get time in the ring and focusing on the action, cool. But mate, you got to make it faster paced than this. Like, w- w- th- I mean, this is a pretty decent matchup. Like, Rocky can move a little bit. We've seen it. Leaf, what, I don't know what his fucking deal is. Um, you know, his offense was so slow. Rocky was fine enough in spurts, but I- I'll say this: the one thing Raw's got going for it, the bigger arena, the vibe being live, adds so much to even sluggish matches like this. Like. Put this on that. If this was on one of those fourth tapings in a Raw cycle, like in October, the end of October '96 or something, this would have been a real freaking sleepwalk. But at least with the live crowd and the big arena, feels a little bit more lively to it. So that said, I want to start in three quarters because it was fucking boring. But at least, like, I feel like this would have been real, real bad in that other setting. Yeah, my uh, stars come to a halting start. <laughs> here uh star and a half this was bad uh leaf sucks like i don't you know we talked about it with the with the opener at um final four but he he gets these opportunities and he is not making the most of them uh with no. the last couple like this was i would say a, a, an atrocious effort on which, top which like, is what kind of bothers me because snow's whole thing is that he was misused he had a stupid gimmick i didn't get my chances like that's this whole argument later right but it's like dude you had multiple pay-per-view matches like you've had raw showcases and the matches are all you get he's getting decent opponents he fought scorpio you know fought mero for for rocky he's not in there with slugs like he's not doing much at all i mean work yeah you got to work around limitations at some point like he he does very uh mundane arm work throughout this match and then Rocky comes right back, picks him up with the arm that's been worked on, and hits the shoulder breaker for the win. So that's that's lame. Uh, at the beginning of this, they show the um, WrestleMania 13 logo. I don't think we've seen that yet. PlayStation's the sponsor, and then they have the Heat <laughs> moniker. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, a star and a half. Uh, Rocky, like like we talked about on the Thursday Raw Thursday, you got that great reaction. And then at Final Four, it was a little bit lacking. And then I think this is another step back. So so he's 
we're we're getting a little bit of diminishing returns, whether it's his fault or not. Like I don't yeah, think sorry. he's had much to work with, but but it's happening. So I will so say I'll he's looked a little bit better in the ring than I remembered him. Like I thought he really was bad, but I, I don't. I think he's been okay. Like I, he's been fine. Um, not as bad as I had remembered him being. You know, I'd say he's okay. I I mean I put this on Leaf. Like yo, oh, yeah, hundred percent. He's been around for a while. He could have. Said, "Hey, we got nine minutes. This is a big showcase for me. You know, yeah. let's let's let's, let's fly. Yeah. together. Yeah, let's go. Amp it up. Yeah, instead of sleepwalking. Uh, I had the uh, what happens after the match. Okay. Too. All right. So Sunny shows off a Sunny for president sign, and then Lawler yanks the ECW sign from the fan. Says he's seen enough crap. Nobody knows anything about ECW, and ninety nine percent of the people in the world have never heard of it." And he asked the fan if he knows what is ECW draw. King says ECW is a place where a bunch of misfits and has that couldn't make it in the WWF went, and he's sick of the fans waving ECW signs. And he has a friend that goes to his w- to a WCW match in Memphis, and they took away a Jerry Lawler sign. <laughs> Ross says WWF believes in free speech. King says all the ECW wrestlers, and if they're so good and tough, he's making a personal invitation to show up on Raw next week in New York City. Ross quickly wraps him up. As he's rambling. Uh, good stuff with some intrigue. It shows some ongoing change. Again, Dordef is willing to take this approach out of nowhere. They've never mentioned. We had the blip of ECW guys back in September. Yep. But that was it. Like So beyond that, we've never really focused on an outside promotion. Now, you know, a little bit ripoff of NW. Like, right, we're kind of doing a potential invasion of ECW. But the way they started, I think, is interesting. Lawler's as good as anyone. Uh, to be the the vocal anti-ECW guy. And of course, as we'll see on the other side, if you go back and listen to Extreme Three-Way Dance uh, every other Thursday here, we chronicled this whole feud from the ECW lens that goes quite a while. It's like a full year on their end. We get a blip of it here in WF over the coming months, but ECW, this is a long-running feud that Lawler is very involved in and is fantastic in. Um, so I, again, I, this is a pretty good kickoff to the angle. It's not the only piece of the angle we'll see tonight. What did you think of the way they executed it? Yeah, I, I, it does come out of nowhere, um, but um, I, I like the way that's done. I mean, it's one of those things where if you're just sort of uh, watching this boring match, it kind of gives a little juice to that. Um, I like that the guy had a backup ECW rule song. <laughs> takes the first one, um, but no, I mean, I, I think I think if you're just a, I, I mean, maybe you. I I can't remember what my mind set was at the time but uh lawler seems like a little bit of a weird um person to be kind of holding the flame yeah. for wwf if you're just a wwf fan at this point or even wwf wcw um i, I think he does good enough in saying like that there has been and stuff like that uh and especially when he gets to the violent stuff i, I think that's a right. good like tactical um, strategy to utilize to show why he has such a vendetta against them. Um, came off a little weird here, but overall I, I liked it as the first chapter or whatever. Really, I mean, the me. only thing too with using Lawler is you are setting up the WF for being the heels, like out yeah. of the gate. ECW's going to, I mean, and maybe they On knew that it. Side. Right. I'm sure they knew it, that ECW was going to be, cheered when they came in like it's just hard yeah. not to given the arenas they were going to run it like there's no way they thought in new york city ecw was not going to be <laughs> super popular yeah so i guess using lawler gives them the setup of 
look, we don't feel this way, right? This guy feels this way. And that's kind of how they run with it, that Lawler is like the avatar for the feeling of WF or more for like, he's kind of doing the get off my lawn old guy routine, right? Mm -hmm. He's kind of like, you know, which is again, ironic because Memphis, one of the closer things to ECW, right? As far as like kind of wild, like offbeat style, right? And he was a big part of that. So it's, it's a little funny that, you know, like a yeah. Jim Cornette probably maybe is a better guy that could have been. Uh, yeah, possibly. <laughs> I mean, Waller and, and Mantell had a bar guard match in March. Right. And March yeah, and I mean, he was doing crazy shit. So yeah. it's like, I mean, and Cornette does get involved eventually on the ECW side of it. But um, I, I think he might have been the guy. But it, it, I think Waller, they go with him because he's he's on the air the whole time, yeah, all the time. right? Too. So he can keep doing it throughout the show. Um, maybe you could have Cornette sit in the booth here and there and do it if you wanted to. But... And him mentioning WCW was kind of crazy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just straight out says it. Yeah, um, them restricting the King sign, which is funny. Uh, now we're gonna get a big block of Nitro stuff. Okay. This, this one, oh boy, I've, I've I've been put through the ringer this week and keep a track of some of the stuff on the accounting uh, <laughs> side. Uh, so it's Demolinko versus Robbie Brookside debut for Robbie Brookside, uh, mm-hmm. British wrestler that. You know, still, still, I don't know if he's still active, but was active at least till very recently, kind of wandering around. Uh, pre-match promo from Malenko talking about how Boris Malenko, his father, trained uh, six and that he needs to show some appreciation and learn the word of respect. So, so yep. that's good. Um, you know, this, this is just a Malenko showcase. There's not much a whole, there's not really a whole lot to this, but I thought it was pretty neat seeing Malenko run through some of his sequences. Uh, Brookside, I don't know if he had a little case of the jitters or what, but he, he was a little awkward in a couple of spots mm. and was essentially a warm body. Um, but Dean pretty much squashes him, puts him in the clover leaf and wins. Uh, so I went starting three quarters just for the match. It was all right, but really just Dean centric. Yeah, I liked the talk. About, I like how they're layering in the Boris Milenko stuff with Six to mm-hmm. add a little personal spin on that feud. Uh, Tony Hype's a big event coming in Minnesota in March um, as part of this as well. A lot of talk on Piper and Milenko and how they're family men. Uh, Larry gets a funny line. He says, if I had six kids like Piper, I'd be an Alcatraz too. Uh, but he says how people don't understand what it's like to be away from home, uh, what it's like to be home when you're away from home so much. So he's basically defending Piper coming back away from his family. Cause he's like, when you're on the road for years, suddenly you're home full time. It's a major change in your lifestyle. Um, and so this was fine. I, I thought it had some potential, but it never really developed. Uh, I want to start a quarter. Like, like you said, basically a squash. Uh, so after the match six comes out with the belt, says it's time Dean listened to him. He says, your old man is dead and the respect and gratitude died with him. So pretty, pretty tough either. Uh, he says, yeah, if he had to steal the belt to get a shot, that's what he'll do. And then, uh, Dean kind of chases him to the back. So, I mean, good, good stuff from six. They, it's been a pretty heated, you know, kind of forgotten heated yeah. cruiserweight feud. Yeah. All of a sudden. I like six calls him the bland man, which was funny. <laughs> I've been listening to the bland man. I thought his delivery was kind of weird. He kind of had like a Nash style yelling inflection, mm-hmm. which I don't know if he's trying to find his voice in this character, but like, you know, he kept just yelling like random. It's like Frank Costanza. <laughs> just like yelling these points out, you know, I can't um, respect them. All I goes. Um, going through all this shows how long that this actually shows how long the Mavia 
Lee Cassidy match yes, was because yes. we're about to go through uh, like three more things on Nitro in the same amount of time that took place. Uh, so the Outsiders and Six then invade the announce booth. Uh, Larry says, I didn't think you guys had the guts to come out yourself. Uh, Hall says that Larry and Tony were gossiping like a couple of broads at the hair salon. Great line. Uh, Hall lets us know there was an accident with them and the Steiners, but they can't pin that on them. You know, don't pin it on us. The Einsteiners. Uh, yeah, the Einsteiners. Nash, <laughs> Nash says, are you the WCW version of the Warren Commission? Uh, and that they have a tape that will clear their name. Uh, so they kind of produce the tape, hand it over to Tony. Uh, and then we get a fun little little back and forth here where Hall flicks his toothpick in Larry's face. And Larry gets real fired up. He yeah. gets more riled up than he's got. He wants to he's throw down. He's ready. Yeah, he's gotten progressively more mad, but he is really fired up here. Hall gets more fired up, kind of takes off his shirt and is like, really, like, you want to go? Yeah, they're egging him on. They want him to fight. Yeah. They're, they're trying to get Larry to provoke. Yeah. And we Tony, get some, Tony keeps him cool, though. Larry, Larry chants from the crowd. So, uh, so Larry's this becoming like a baby cool. face here. It's long-term booking because, I mean, they oh, do yeah. get into things, but it's not for a while. So, no. um, Einsteiners will always pop me. It's such a good good line. Einsteiners, <laughs> the way Hall says it. Yeah. The Einsteiners. Uh, it's such a such a great dig. Nash says, if the accusations don't fit, they must acquit, of course. Colin yeah. said the OJ trial. Um, yeah, this is really good. I mean, they're, Outsiders are always great. Every time they're on, it's fantastic. The gossiping like broads was good. Um, yeah, it's just... It, they do no wrong. I mean, I, have we had one bad Hall and Nash segment? No. They are so, like, we talked about it some, but they are so kind of compartmentalized from everything else. Yeah. Where Bischoff's been a little bit more involved with them with the Randy Anderson-Steiner decision. But, like, I mean, like, they – they were at the beginning with everybody coming in, but they didn't seem too concerned about Bubba getting laid out. And no. I mean, they're they're kind of on their own. They're they're really cool. <laughs> I mean, they just are. They're cool. Like when he calls them <laughs> the broads at the hair salon, like Cody's face too. So like, uh, like I hate these guys, but I can't do nothing about it. Like right. it just gets punked. Uh, next match: Amazing French Canadians versus Public Enemy. This is awesome. Public Enemy. Yes, uh, National Anthem stuff, of course. Harlem Heat and uh, Sister Sherry are in the crowd looking on here. Uh, Larry lets us know when Hall hit him with the toothpick. All he saw was red. And then Tony tells him that after the first hour, please either go to the dressing room or the hotel and not cause problems. So, well, then he goes, oh, I'm going to go to the casino. Yeah, then Larry says he's just going to go to the casino. So Tony, Tony tried to be the dad of like a teenage kid. Well, they're like really grousing about what happened to it. They're like wicked pissed, you know. <laughs> Tony's demanding the truck play the tape. There's a lot going on here for these guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's this match or another one, but Tony even gets into like this is a special cassette tape. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Requires an adapter. It was like, yeah. all right, what the easy, fuck easy. are they filming on? Well, listen, as a home video connoisseur of that era, there were a lot of weird wires and fucking connections you needed to air different kinds of tapes of Royal Camcorders. Put your poor Craig Leathers in the bag trying to uh, figure this out here. Uh, we didn't even get the adapter. There's no Amazon. Is it like Radio Shack? I guess you go to Radio Shack. I guess. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Media, media. I guess Best Buy is around when they were around by then. 
media play, I think. Circuit City. Circuit City yeah, is probably Circuit there. City. Yeah. That's 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 probably more likely. Yeah. I don't I don't recall Best Buy showing up till like early two thousands around. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I want to say Circuit City or, or Radio Shack is probably where they went. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, the major French Canadians are dominating Johnny Grunge. Uh, Rocco Rock tries to tie in, uh, tag in, but the ref doesn't see it. Uh, they miss their kind of finisher double team move with Olette getting assisted from Rougeau. That gives the hot tag to Rocco Rock. The match breaks down now. Olette takes a nice bump into the steps on the outside. Uh, he's placed on the table that gets set up on the outside. Uh, Rocco teases diving through it, but puts on the brakes as Olette stands up. Uh, but then Rougeau accidentally hits Olette, and then uh, Rocco Rock plows through the table and Olette, and they roll him back in, get the pinfall victory. Um, so th- this again, you know, I. These, these matches on Nitro tonight like are pretty rudimentary, but I thought they did a good job of, like, Mongo has a match coming up at Super mm-hmm. Brawl. He gets a win, right? Like, Malenko's got a match at Super Brawl. He gets a win. Public Enemy are in this match at Super Brawl. They get a win. So I thought they did a good job of kind of gassing up the guys that are going to be wrestling on the pay-per-view, uh, even if the matches themselves aren't anything special. I went two stars here. Best Buy was originally founded in Richfield, Minnesota, under the name Sound of Music. You want to guess what year? It's going to be old. I guarantee it. But uh, I'll go 87. 1966. That's insane. What were they even selling? Uh, There there was Sound of Music from 66 to 83. Um, it wasn't a big store. They were mostly throughout Minnesota. Yeah. In 83, they started to hit $10 million in sales. They rebuilt themselves into uh, Best Buy Company Superstore for a year. And then Best Buy Superstore from 84 to 89 before just becoming Best Buy. They reached a billion dollars in revenue in 92. Uh, they debuted new store uh, concepts in LA and DC in 94. They were bigger than the usual. They kind of offered more touchscreen kiosks and video games. Then they launched in New England in 1998 with their concept number four store. There was an open layout, products by category, registers throughout the stores. Yeah. I think it's kind of what we know yeah. now. Yeah. Home theater system section. Uh, 99, they made the S&P 500. And then they bought Magnolia in 2000. So I think I would say 99 on is where they really started to blow up. Um, 03 is where they surpassed 600 stores. I'm going to yeah. that. Evan. So yeah, I, th- I think we tracked with the timeline of like when they became a national like powerhouse was probably the 99, 2000 ish. Yeah. I know we had a media play uh, in the time yeah, I yeah. grew up. We, we didn't have either, but in uh Douglasville, like 30 minutes away. We had media play first, um, and that was early. Them and Borders. Do you ever have a Borders in the mall? We still have Borders. Borders. Uh, well, we had Borders books. Yeah, it was Borders books, but they had the CDs and stuff, too. Yeah. I like Borders because you they'd always have the little CDs you could yeah. sample. Um, but yeah, and then best I don't know. Actually, I don't know if Borders is still open now. Barnes & Nobles is still around. I don't know if yeah, yeah, but we, we had, had Borders for a while. Yeah, um, We had Strawberries. was a big one. And then um, FYE obviously was big everywhere. Yeah. Now, is Sam Goody and FYE the same thing? Did they merge at some point or what? We, we never had, we ever had, had Goody here. Goody. No, I think yeah, it was all there. FYE. Yeah. Yeah, we had FYE. There's another one I'm trying to think of that we had. I can't think of the mall. 
can't think of the name of it. But um, strawberries is again warehouse. Do you ever have that? No, I think that may emerge with Fye too. Strawberries is all. It was a two floor building we had. Yeah, it was just all music and like movies and stuff. It was really cool. I met Busta Rhymes there. That that sounds more like. I mean, media plays were huge. Like they were in at least the same size building as Best Buys, so they were they were big. Yeah, I have to try and think of the name. Um, HMV. I'm looking at a website. I think HMV is the other one I was thinking of. Okay. Um, and now we, uh, Tower Records. I don't know if we had a tower. Um, no. Uh, you never went to Orlando when you were growing up, right? They used to have that two-story. When you're talking about two-story, they used to have... No, I went to Orlando a bunch of times. Oh, did you go to the Virgin store down there in Disney know. Springs now? Yeah, it was two stories. It was awesome. Maybe I did. It was Maybe great. All right, so here's the top eight that are gone. Defunct music store chains, record store chains. Camelot Music. I don't think any of those. Nope. Coconuts. Peaches. Stra- strawberries. There you go. Coconut. New England-based chain. Ties- flavors or music stores? Ties to the mob. Strawberries was opened and owned by Morris Levy, erstwhile owner of Manhattan's famed Birdland Jazz Club, president of Roulette Records. In 1988, Levy was convicted of extortion, and he had ties to organized crime and drug dealers. Uh, Sam Goody. Filed yeah. for bankruptcy in 06. Tape World. I don't think I had a Tape World. Tower Record, Turtles. That's all that this article has. Wow. I think HMV was the other one I was thinking of. It's kind of interesting how regionalized that was, and it seems like Best Buy was the one that really brought it all together, them and FYE. So. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right. Well, that's a whole story for another day. Uh, this match I thought was fine. It was, uh, you know, a, a brawling as usual with these dudes. A lot of talk about the Super Bowl triple threat that's coming up, more about the car accident tape. Uh, Carl, that uh, nasty bump he took of the steps, it's pretty gross looking. Uh, you know, and then you get the finish with the usual mishaps from the uh, French Canadians. It was fine. Division continues to be showcased. It kind of has a good parody vibe. All the teams are really even under, under the big dogs. We'll see what the signers fit in with that. Yeah. The way they're almost being positioned right now is back at start, right, with these guys. So, mm-hmm. so in two and a quarter. But every time we see the French Canadians, I just keep thinking, like, they could have been much more useful in the WF at this point. Like, just, there's so many teams in WCW that they're really at the bottom of the chain most of the time. And WF was so desperate for teams that could just work and have name value that I think they could have been now we're getting past that point, but like the most of 96, they could have been like a big part of the tag division. You know, we've talked about the problems. I don't know if we've ever proposed this trade, but the Maison French Canadians for Furnace and LaFon straight up, that had yeah, been a yeah. good trade for both. I think so. Uh, quick interview with DDP, Gene has yeah. uh, a wild shirt DDP's wearing, like this tie dye. I, I, don't, I don't know what was going on. Uh, uh, an interesting fit. Um, he says he just walked in the door 10 minutes ago. He kind of acts shocked at what happened. Uh, he does say wrestling is competitive and he never want to see anything serious happen to a fellow competitor. Gene's kind of not buying what he's selling here and is like, you're telling me you had no idea or wasn't a part of this. Paige says he has no idea what was talk- what he's talking about with Bubba being laid out. Uh, he said he just came to the show to see Pee Wee Herman and Nick Patrick <laughs> wrestle, um, and he has no thoughts for Sunday because, I mean, he's worried about Bubba. He doesn't even know if he's going or not. Right, am I even going to have a match? 
Yeah, I mean, Bob itself. This, this I thought was a pretty good promo. It's kind of interesting. Um, I mean, we don't see Paige again, so maybe he was honest and then he did just come from yeah. people. Yeah, he's just here for the match. He's he's watch. Out. Uh, so an easy night for him. Um, but yeah, I, this is good. Yeah, he was coy. I liked it. Um, and that is it. We're finally back to Raw. <laughs> out of the Rocky match. Yes. <laughs> All right. Kevin Kelly brings out Goldust and Marlena to the ring. Ross talks about the fan that attacked Marlena the night before. We get stills of Goldust helping Rocky beat Hunter. Goldust talks about how his issue with Hunter is personal because it was a decent proposal toward Marlena across the line. All the money in the world can't buy Marlena and Hunter can only get uh, get to her over his dead body. Kevin asks Marlena about her feelings. She says she wants to clear things up. From their first premiere, there's speculation about Goldust's masculinity and manhood. And they play a lot of mind games, and they go on record uh, that from his golden head to his golden feet, he's a man and more of a man than Hunter could ever be. Hunter storms out. He barks at Goldust and baits him to the floor. He throws water at him. Hunter gets in the ring. He works Goldust over. It's a pedigree. Marlena slaps Hunter, but the fan from last night gets in the ring. She again swings Marlena around violently with a bear hug in a very wild spot. Security breaks them up. Goldust carries Malena off as things clear out. I, I know it's a good segment. Uh, it's a more realistic turn yet again for Goldust and Marlena. They admit that everything over the past year and half that we've seen all of, right? Because <laughs> we've been watching since they debuted, have all been mind games. Uh, it's all just been a show for them that they're really basically a couple. And uh, then we get this new associate, potentially it looks like <laughs> associate um, of Hunter comes out and really this is the infamous one right beyond just the choke we saw the night before this was really the infamous one where she just ragdolls the shit out of marlena it looks mm -hmm. crazy marlena just goes like full dead ragdoll um she whips her around so we get a lot done in this one segment yeah, this is pretty good yeah i i think this is where you really come full circle on the goldust character we kind of been led up where king asks him if he's gay or not and he says no, no. <laughs> But, you know, this is everything where Marlena says, like, we played mind games. He's a man from head to toe, all man, et cetera. Um, and the, the water distracting gold dust for, like, 20 seconds was a little odd. Or they had, like, that was, like, some huge mist or something that he couldn't escape. Uh, but, yeah, once China jumps in, it, it looks great. She is tearing Marlena apart. The size differential really pops off the screen. Uh, we do still have King yelling, that's a woman, which isn't the best. Um, but Ross, this is the first time he calls her an Amazon. You know, they're getting over the power of yep. her anyway. So she, I mean, it's it's a imposing new character that, again, is sort of similar to another character on the other show. But um, but still impressive. So it's, it's amazing. It, it'll be presented differently, too. Like, China's going to be more of a stoic bodyguard in the early days, whereas Jackie is almost like the pants of the family with Sullivan, right? It's a definitely a different presentation. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty good. All right. We're staying here. Yeah, we're staying here for the next match. All right. We have uh, the return of the Headbangers taking on the Hardy Boys. Headbangers dance out. Uh, the Hardy Boys attack at the bell. Uh, they clear Matt out, but Jeff makes a quick turn, works over Mosh's arm with a big clothesline. The Nation join for backstage, and Farouk talks shit on Ahmed. As Mosh gets a power slam on Matt to take over, the headbangers start to quick tag and batter Matt. Farouk is still ranting about Ahmed being a phony, says what it really means to be from the hood. He says he wants Ahmed in a Chicago street fight at WrestleMania. 
Maj gets a nice springboard axe handle to knock Matt outside. They keep pouring it on. Thrasher almost kills Matt, a hot shot throw. Ross says the WF title match is coming up next. The headbangers hit a Vegematic and celebrate. Ross tries to figure out who Marilyn Manson is as the headbangers keep the double team. Yeah. Matt slips free and tags Jeff, who comes in with a flurry on the headbangers, but Mosh ends it quickly with a clothesline and they finish with a stage dive. Uh, this is fine. The Hardy showed off some good double, um, the headbangers, I mean, showed off some good double team offense. They brought some good upbeat fire and colors of the vision. This is what I was talking about the French Canadians, like a team like this just adds a whole new dimension to the division. Whether they're great or not, it's like it's some characters, it's some color, they can move, they're quick paced. Um, the Hardys were great as jobbers, of course, here as well, bumping around. So uh, I went two stars. Yeah, starting three quarters here. Uh, echo much of what you said on the match. It was pretty good. Uh, Mosh hit a really good clothesline right before the finish, and their finisher move looks good with the powerbomb leg drop combo. Uh, a couple things. Yeah, Ross says, what's that lady's name? Marilyn Manson. Uh, then he says he's more of a Garth Brooks guy himself, which is not a shocking development. Um, I, I thought Farouk's promo was really good here, actually. Uh, he uh, talks about how Ahmed's kind of a fraud, living in a big penthouse in Houston, driving two cars. Um, and then he has this like crazy line that I enjoyed where he, he basically says, like, you don't have to die and go to hell. You're in it now, and here are all my demons when he challenges him for the Chicago street fight. So, so really good stuff from Farouk. This may be my favorite promo of him in the WWF so far. It was good. Yeah. Um, it was very quick. Um, and then a quick cheap shot at the end of the match where Ross says, you only find that type of impact at the world wrestling federation, which is pretty stupid because right at that same moment, somebody was going through a table um, <laughs> that tag match, but you know, right. All right, back to Nitro, where we get the WCW Saturday Night promo. We get the matches announced this time. Jeff mm -hmm. Jarrett versus Conan, Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Alano 4, and Ice Train versus Super Close. So yeah. Main event, main event any building. Could be a good style clash. <laughs> Such a crazy match. Uh, now we get our television title match. Prince Iakea versus Steven Regal. Mm. Uh, Larry says... <laughs> Has a line where he says, I didn't plan on having kids, but here they are. <laughs> here they were. So there you go. Some he hates first, his family. Larry, first, he must hate his family. So from Larry. A, lot of, a lot of Larry turmoil. Oh, he shit, always shits on women, uh, hates his kids. This poor guy. He's going to the casino. He <laughs> wished he was in Alcatraz. <laughs> he didn't want kids, but here they are. <laughs> What's happened in an hour here? Uh, no reaction for Prince Ikea. Um, you know, we saw him in a couple quick job matches a couple five, six months ago, but we hadn't seen him on Nitro since. Uh, Gene does do a quick promo with Regal. He says that five months ago when he beat Luger for the title, he said he'd wrestle anyone in the world. He's done just that. Uh, he threatens Rey Mysterio this Sunday, calls him one of the seven dwarves and said if he was one of the seven dwarves, he would be dopey. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Rey Mysterio is cast in the new Disney movie coming up, but there we go. Uh, Regal says he'll stretch him out so much that he'll be a handrail for the Great Wall of China. So there you go. Um, when you're in as good as perfect physical condition as Regal, what more do you need? So he uh, he marches to the ring. Do you feel like that was a tip of what was coming? Having um, him talk and brag, because like, yeah, you never hear from Regal at this point. Very like, braggadocious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you could see that. Um, Regal 
is not taking Icaeus seriously at all. We learned that his uh, matchup versus Ray at Super Bowl has a no time limit because they went to the time limit draw a couple weeks ago. Uh, open end strike from Regal front suplex. He puts Ikea on the top rope and pounds away. Butterfly suplex from the top rope. He's kind of taunting the back, asking for Ray Mysterio to come out. Ray does walk out and as soon as he does Iakea rolls Regal up immediately wins the television championship um, so I mean obviously on commentary they present this as a big upset um, I, I think this is one of these interesting moments to talk about I fucking um, hate it I've always hated it yeah well I think I mean to me I'll say like I think in retro I think for me it's one of those things where if you look back and no, like, obviously, WWF wins at the end. This is a good moment to, like, look back on and say, like, how dumb this is. I don't necessarily hate this as a concept. Yeah, I don't think it's dumb. I just, like, yeah. I, I do think it's too reactionary yeah. to the Mayavia thing. Um, well, and when you look at the, like, to me, it's not the upset of the champion. It's when you look at the presentation, it's a week later on TV. Yeah. Mid card title. Yeah. Aristocrat heel. Yeah. A Pacific Islander character face, you know, rookie face. Like you have a distraction finish. It's like an exact replica of something that happened 10 days ago. With the same basic character, but worse. Like, like are you okay? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's unfortunate, too, what Rock becomes and what Ikea becomes. Yeah, but, but even at the moment, I, I thought it was stupid. Like, I was, it wasn't even the retrospect. I remember thinking, like, if you watch it here, too, like, no one gives a shit. There's not even, like, a pop. Like, like no one cares. No, it's, it's, it's not a, yeah, yeah, there's not much of a reaction. And I mean, this, only one star. So. I, I gave him two because of Regal's offense. But the um, to me, like, this, like Rocky, we talked about, didn't wasn't presented as it didn't feel like a fluke. It was an upset, but like it wasn't just gold us distracted me to roll them up, right? Like Rocky beat him and then he beat him again. So it was like like he that was presented as like an up and comer winning ahead of schedule, right? Like shouldn't have won a title, but he did because you know he's, he's not bad. This was like you know a pure Kevin Greeno beating Ted DiBiase because of Virgil, like on Superstar. Like this is a pure just jobber got lucky and, and rolled off Regal after he got a ship pushed in for the whole match. Like the Rocky Hunter match was back and forth. Like this was Regal kicking the shit out of this guy until Ray comes out. The one thing I don't mind, I like that Regal calls Ray out. So it's not just Ray coming out to fuck with him. Like yep. he's like, all right, well you called me out here. Now what? Right. Um, and then you get the, you know, again, like the tropey hack and like Regal lays next to IUK. Uh, he's laughing and then he rolls him up with the crucifix. Like, like even the finish isn't creative. Tony also countered the three call, three count before the pin, which was weird. I don't know if you picked up on that. He said one, two, three before the ref even hit three. So I don't know if he was just ahead of the call. It was odd. Um, the celebration after Teddy Long comes out, we get guys from the locker room. Like Eddie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess Eddie is at least not a jobber, but like, oh, look, Teddy, me. like <laughs> big, I, guns, big guns. You know, I haven't been a fan of Teddy in this role at all. No. And it made me instantly think of all the worst shit I hate about Captain Lou Albano. Oh. Like, here comes Teddy, manager of the jobber, trying to glom on to another fucking jobber because yeah. he won a title. Yeah. Like, here we go. He's going to try and sign him. Um, you know, you said Tony's almost wondering, are we going to get Ayukaya versus Mysterio now on Sunday? Mm -hmm. um, the camera angle missed Ray running down the aisle to distract Regal. 
so that was fucked up too. So it just is like out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It felt predictable as soon as Regal came out and cut the promo. Cause again, he never cuts a promo. Um, they tried to make it shocking. Um, you know, Gene hyping Super Brawl, but then again, it just, it was, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they had this planned or if it legit was just try to mock Rocky winning or what the deal was. I don't know if it's ever come out. Like, was this something they had planned anyway? Or was this a real coincidence? Or... I, I think it's reactionary. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I tried to listen to the 83 weeks with Conrad on this Nitro and I made it about 10 minutes in. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking, but it's it it just makes them look second rate, which they haven't really in a while, like on any of the stuff. It's usually WF copying them. Yeah. And this felt it didn't unless it's meant to mock them, which doesn't make sense because why is Rocky winning something being mocked? Um, like to me, it's like, what are you doing? It's it's the same fucking thing. Like, have Kidman win. At least it's different. Like you're not having a random, you know, island dude that hasn't even been on Nitro in seven months win the title. It was, it was just odd. Yeah, they could have done some quick course correction too, and they yeah, don't, so we'll get to that. Uh, next, we'll hop over to Raw for a really quick segment. Okay, uh, let me get up here. So we go over. Sid is in the ring for the second time tonight. We revisit what happened earlier. Brett is walking backstage, and of course, Stone Cold jumps him, beats him down against the garage door. Sid. Uh, pretty quick. Uh, I wonder what his 40 time was on this. He's in the back already. Gets into it with Austin as well as they get pulled apart by officials. For a guy with a bad knee, he fucking... Either him hightailing it to the back from the ring or executioner making it from the lake <laughs> yeah. and, uh, in your house it's time. I don't know who, who ran faster here, but uh, both of them. Yeah, a little they, they didn't. They didn't think this one through by having him. He should have came out to the ring. They should have maybe started playing his music, and then he's back here. It's yeah, kind of goofy. He's in the, the ring. The ring, and twenty seconds later, he... <laughs> with a bad leg, the whole thing is going to bad Sanders leg. Here. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so they get pulled apart. Uh, Vince is in there pulling them apart. So he is yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, a fun show, long angle. I, I thought. I thought this has been pretty good. They've done a nice job. They're fully head to head with Nitro. And they're doing a good job of trying to keep you here by teasing this world title match. Um, yeah. We'll see because what Nitro's been lately, like we're gonna get three minutes of that match and some shit, shit, uh, not craziness, and then get out right. So you're probably thinking on this point, like we're not really getting this freaking match. Like we're just gonna get this all night and then never see the title match. So. Well, I think they made sure that they said it was gonna happen enough that. Yeah, I know, but we heard that about Hogan Giant and all the rest as well. Well, they still wrestled a match. I, I. We can get to that, but I thought that was a little much. These, they they keep acting like WCW's promising all this stuff and never happened. I, no, I, I think it I comes more later. That is like the Robin Hood thing. Or I what? think that's what it was. I think it was just the I mean, Hogan Giant yeah. one week. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um. So uh, Nitro, the hour two pyro comes off. Uh, Tony recaps the big things from the first hour. Ikea Steiner's tape. Bubba attack. Then we get our big main event for Nitro, Randy Anderson versus Nick Patrick. Um, Randy Anderson has Pyro, which I thought was amazing. Oh, one thing I, I did want to bring up real quick from the last match. That's where you get the talk. So Tony says the tape was VHSC. It's a compact VHS tape. Not an easy format to fight a player. Um, and that's also where they talk about uh, a lot about this match here. And they say how Patrick is trained to wrestle. His knee injury took him out of action. 
and that peewee's untrained he's a cancer survivor so like they really went in heavy on basically like there's no way ray anderson's winning this well match, so. i think they did good in putting over peewee as an amateur like yeah. about he's a georgia state but saying right now today he's like hey he's a busted up man man cancer and that never leaves you man yeah. you, you still have the dog in you uh, so he comes out with some pyro, which was amazing. And Randy Champ from the crowd. Jimmy Jets, the official for this match, he uh, gives each competitor the pat down. And when he goes to Randy Anderson, he hands him the uh, foreign object. We're underway. <laughs> um, Nick Patrick stalks in. At one point, he tries to hand his sunglasses to Jimmy Jet. Jimmy Jet refuses to take them. <laughs> Um, and Patrick's just cocky and annoying so he winds up but gets cocked with the uh, foreign object uh, knocked out Randy Anderson pins him one two three huge pop from the crowd Bischoff of course comes rushing out no 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 uh, Bischoff says he knows better than that uh, he's kind of putting his finger in Randy Anderson and Jimmy Jet's face um, he says that Randy Anderson only won a permanent vacation and Jimmy Jed is fired as well. Uh, and he tells him to leave the building now. So, um, yeah, well, it still looks like Randy Anderson has not secured his job. But uh, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't know what to rank this match, but I, I thought it was an entertaining segment. Yeah. Overall, and it was fun. I, I thought the way they did the seriousness of it, there, there was some little, I think, WCW attention to detail touches that they do on some of this stuff, like like with the uh, with the uh, dangerously cornet Great American Bash match. I think they do a good job um, historically in kind of comedy matches but they're played up seriously. Like it's preposterous situations, but it's played with like a serious, you know, amplification compared to the way WWF does some of the stuff as we'll get to with the evening gown stuff. And then when Russo moves over with like the, the, uh, Oh, Oklahoma nonsense and whatever. Um, so, so I like this. I mean, the pyro made me pop. Like, I love that. Like I thought that was great. Why is like, he wearing his referee gear? That's what I, I like that. I like yeah, that. Your referee gear, which I thought like is you know they don't have wrestling gear. They're not wrestlers. Yeah, but wear some street clothes. He doesn't need wrestling yeah, gear. They don't have wrestlers gear. That's that's their profession. They Why is he gonna wear the bow tie? He can at least he take came the to win bow his tie job out. back. He's dressed <laughs> he for the job he wants. You uh, <laughs> at least take the bow tie off. Um, I love Patrick running his mouth. He said, the kids and the babies are going to be crying when he comes down. He loves, he loves going <laughs> in on Anderson's kids. Um, um, yeah. The, uh, Bobby says, well, today says the Anderson family's all watching at home. Bobby says, yeah, the TV's rented, which is funny. That's such a 90s thing, too, that, you know, renting appliances and yeah. electronics, rent-a-center. Uh, I love Patrick preening and shadow boxing when, the, when Jet puts this thing in Anderson, Anderson's hand. Uh, when Anderson wins, Bobby goes, open the can of beans. He's coming home. <laughs> Which I thought was another great <laughs> uh, Bischoff's been awesome in this angle. He's so good. He's just on fire. Scolding the both. He, he yells at Anderson. He goes, you used to be a referee and you cheated like this. <laughs> like it's such a, you know, going against his profession. Um, and Tony's saying Bischoff's reneging, but Bischoff's like, well, it's not fair. Uh, he raises Patrick's hand and then drags him out of the ring as he's unconscious, which was funny. Um, so I went one star for the match, but like the segment was great. This whole angle has been fantastic. It's it's been really good. Um, so anyway, 
what uh we staying here now back to raw all right so we head back to nashville and uh where are we the at? gorilla yes all right so we have a after break we get a revisiting of what just happened with austin attacking kevin's with gorilla monsoon he says austin has a vendetta against bret hart since the royal rumble and says that UF isn't like other people they deliver what they promise and hart versus sid is guaranteed to happen so we head to the ring for our next match which is flash funk taking on owen hart Flash and the Funkettes are out. Still around yeah. the Funkettes. Well, Flash's entrances are getting out of control. Like they're yeah. three, four minutes long. I thought he was done by this point with that shit. I thought the, like the Funkettes were gone. Like I can't believe they're still the whole yeah. package is like still going yeah. on. Well, much. Yeah. Um. So he dances out. Owen Hart and Clarence Mason are out. And I'm again on paper. Like we'll see. Like we've had a lot of paper matches tonight for Raw. Um, Ross says Marlena went to the hospital coughing up blood. We start with a quick series of control holds and counters. Flash gets a drop kick, goes to the arm. Ross types up the European title tournament as Owen works the arm hold. Can't take over. Flash works free. We get a double drop kick stalemate. We reset, go through some basic counter holds to kill time because Jim Ross says Jerry Lawler has a very special phone call. It's a representative from ECW and they want to patch him in. And of course, it is Paulie dangerously. He says he doesn't hide behind representatives like Vince McMahon does. He's the owner, operator, and executive producer of ECW. And I will be in New York City next week, as well will the ECW athletes that the King claims to have never heard of. King clarifies and makes it very obvious to everybody that Paul E. Dangerously has accepted the challenge and will show up next week with big boys. You're going to bring the Blue Meanie or maybe Sandman, Sabu, Heyman says after next week, King will have new respect for ECW. King says he has no respect for the misfits, no talent bums. And Heyman says you better have security on hand. As long as Neighborhood Watch doesn't need to be informed that the King is there, he'll see him next week to face-to-face with all the ECW stars. King says you may not recognize the building because it's not a bingo hall. Ross is tired of it. (laughs) It's like, all right, we're done. Um, Surreal stuff. And it really, of anything, was going to set up next week's show. This sold next week's show. Like, I remember being fucking hyped for this. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I do think there's some irony in King saying it's not a bingo hall, but they're going to, like, the Manhattan Center, which is the smallest freaking arena that they could possibly run. Uh, it's like they're, you know, going to be... Probably the same capacity. Yeah, it's like they go to the LA Coliseum or something. He's like, yeah. you know, good luck finding this building that they run. They pretty much run anyway. They run Hammerstein. Uh, whatever, so whatever. Um, I don't know if they had started Hammerstein yet, but whatever. They, they run the Elks Lodge, Elks Lodge it's all yeah. the same shit. Um, so yeah, I, I this is great. We can, we can get your thoughts here and then we'll get back to the match. But I, I thought Heyman was awesome. As, I mean, he's always, oh, yeah. and he knows like this is a major, he's not doing the leaf casting. Like this guy knows this is a major opportunity. He's got a pay per view coming up, get ECW notoriety. He's going to make every second he gets of airtime count across the board. And that is here. He gets the awesome neighborhood watch dig in, which is just freaking fantastic. Um, because that wasn't even like, I guess it was kind of a thing, right? Because it started in 93 with the Lawler statutory case. But well, I mean, that was one of those, like, if you know, you know. Yeah. And he, he blasted it out over air, you know, like basically, yeah. you know, watch your kids, <laughs> the kids coming around. So right. it was, yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was great. And it had me hyped already for next week. Yeah, no, it was well done. I don't, I don't know. How much you can add? It's just yeah. I mean, Heyman always knows like when he has opportunities to insert himself and promote himself or whatever. For well, yeah, he's suddenly got a million viewers. Or whatever the fuck is going on overall yeah. at this point? You know, he's right. going to be 
right? Two million, whatever it is. I mean, we still see that the you know present day. So he's yeah. been one of the best uh, individuals in wrestling history. I'd say at this point, uh, picking yeah. his spots and knowing when to shine. Yeah, so he he made this count, and he'll make next week count as much, just as much or even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, back to the ring. Owens take it over. He works the leg. Uh, as that was all going on, Owen and Clarence Mason get into an argument. Flash meets Owen with a dive off the top. Out comes the bulldog. He's barking with Mason as Flash and Owen head back inside. We go to a break. We come back. Flash and Owen are trading near falls. Owen takes over, gets a bridging German for two. Owen uh, runs through some offense. We're joined by Steve Austin for backstage. He rants again. Says he's close to whipping Gorilla Monsoon's ass for his recent actions. Says Sean got a little hurt knee and quit. He should be the world champion, but the DF holds him back because he's not full of glitz and glamour for publicity shots. He's going to serve a can of whoop-ass to everyone. Another awesome, awesome promo to mm-hmm. fire. Uh, Owen gets a nice neck breaker. He stomps away. He gets two on Assalto. Owen misses a charge to the corner, crotches himself, flashing loads of flurry, goes up top for a high cross body, gets two, gets a near fall on a moonsault, Bulldog nails Flash from the floor, and Owen picks up the win. Uh, a fantastic uh, Bulldog celebration. He gets all the belts and the slammies. He's dancing around. Uh, but now Owen bickers with him. I don't know what's going on. Uh, this was hard to grade because they, they're stalling clearly oh, during the Heyman call-in. Uh, they're stalling again when Austin is backstage. So, you know, it's, it's tough to to, you know, hurt these guys for the in the grade for this because they were told to go slow at certain points, right? Um, they could have picked a worse match. I would have done this maybe during during Savio or during Rocky, the Rocky match, maybe. Like this is one that could have really popped if you just gave them a quick seven minutes to fly around. Um, things got better at the end, but not enough. So again, long segment. We got a lot done. We got the Heyman stuff, we got the Austin stuff, but it did hurt. The in-ring, so two and a half for me on something that should have been more, but was never given the chance. I went two and a half too. I mean, the match itself is the third most important thing on this segment. On the Heyman promo, Austin's promo, and then just this whole Owen Bulldog thing. I think they took a step here in kind of riding the ship. They they're they're bickering a little bit as they go back and forth, but it was almost like. Um, as we're seeing again on Nitro with the horsemen coming together, it's like this was almost like Owen and Bulldog again kind of coming together a little bit um, where Bulldog does. I mean, he, he gets a big assist here in the victory. I uh, thought the action on the back half after the commercial break was well done. The moonsault looked good. Yeah, really. You could tell that was their match. Like they were like, OK, now we can do what yeah. we want to do. Uh, Aust- Austin's promo was great. Him saying he's opening a can of little pass and serving it on anybody was uh, mm-hmm. was great. Is that the first time he's really oh, he's probably said it before? But I feel yeah, like the first I, real I, time I think, he hammered it. I think it. I was. I mean, I, I, you know, we've been, we've obviously been tracking Austin. Um, and the Rumble can, it's, I think it's fine to say like the Rumble's his breakout. Um, but as we talked about, like with the final four, even his appearance in the match itself, I almost think like after he gets eliminated from the final four, that's almost like when Austin becomes Austin. Like, I don't think he's yeah, going to yeah. revert back. Like, now no, he, no, he is on fire from he here is out. everywhere <laughs> causing chaos. Like, there's no like even like no this is steps it. back. Like, he's no, 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 he's no, he's, he's on, he's on, he's on, he's on. Um, so even like with his promo, like he's give you know, I mean, like he gave promos in the bag and is like, won't you just shut up, son, or you know, whatever. But um, yeah, no, he is good. fully engaged in this character right now. Yeah, he, he has four fire. segments on the show and they all pop, so yeah. they're good. All right. 
Uh, back to Nitro Hollywood. Hollywood <laughs> easy for me to say. Hollywood Rules shirt, twenty-two dollars plus five ninety-five shipping at Westport. Uh, and then we get our staggerly collect call from San Francisco. He's he has a rolling Bay Area Nitro party. They can see Alcatraz from the pier where the party is. No one moves quicker than Lee. I mean, they're oh. flying through these towns like they they were going from one bar to the next. They're on the pier now. They're seeing Alcatraz. A lot going on. I don't know how they're watching Nitro while they're moving around, but here they are. Uh, Lee hypes up Super Brawl. He hypes up next week's Nitro party. They're going to be in Atlanta with his buddy Jimmy Souza. I guess that's Matt's cousin. Uh, and Lee says they're going to visit Weaselman's Wharf for some Weasel Roni. And Bobby says Tony Tony Bennett should heave Lee off the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, so there you go. So Lee's uh, not far off in San Francisco, and uh, he'll be in Atlanta with Jimmy Sue's next week. Um. Uh, yeah, Jocks and Jills. He's with uh. Well, they say Jimmy Sue. I thought it was Jimmy Barrett from Ninety Nine X. He was a famous like. I thought he said Jimmy Sue's from nah. from Jocks and Jills or whatever. Oh, maybe. I know Jimmy Barrett from 99X radio station. I, I used to listen to him. No, I think he said Jimmy Souza. Maybe that's the owner or someone at Jocks and Jills, whatever. Okay. All right. Roadblock versus Chris Benoit. George Steinbrenner is showing the crowd. Uh, Benoit goes after Roadblock right away. Uh, Roadblock comes back with some heavy shots in the corner. Uh, Roadblock slams Benoit and then jaws at woman and gets slapped uh, for that. Um, but he goes outside to yell at her and he eats a nasty baseball slide and punches uh, from Benoit right in front of Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner was like loving it. He was having the time of his life watching Benoit. Well, he's got his grandson with him. I'm curious yeah. if it was uh... Hank or. <laughs> well, I guess those are his kids, so it wouldn't be yeah. Hank or Hal. So I was saying, I, I did think Hank or Hal at first, but then yeah, those are his sons. Yeah, so yeah. Fit out one of them. One of their um, kids, I guess. One of the next owners to fuck up. <laughs> I think they are. They they're still like the controlling. Oh, entity. Hank's out. He died. Oh, I think died. Hal Hal is uh Hal still still doing his thing. We okay. had a big interview today. Okay. <laughs> <The> shit show. <laughs> Bringing the crew back. Yeah, the... Oh yeah, yeah. Cashman. Yeah. You should look at the look up the Cashman quotes from the interview. It was it was one of those classic like delusional. He said they have like the best analytics in the sport. Oh they yeah. Have a great team. Like I don't know, just. Yeah, it's always what great. We, what are we doing? Always great when you have the script literally before the game and refuse to change. Anyway, uh, Benoit hits the diamond headbutt, wins it. This is like a two minute match, but it was hard hitting. So I want to start in three quarters. It's fine. Today, Nate drops some San Francisco wrestling legends in here, which is cool. I feel like he was trying to get a pop out of Bobby because that's kind of the Bobby area, LA, mm -hmm. San Francisco. Um, yeah, we get George in the crowd. We get Bo Brian Bowringer and the other Yankees are also there, says Tony. So mm -hmm. big, big Yankee contingent. Here in Tampa, uh, I, well, they would probably get ready for spring training, right? Yeah, so, I, I would pitchers think they probably had there. to report. Pitchers and yeah. catchers had to report. Yeah, yeah. so Bo Ringer, obviously a pitcher, so for the world defending world champion Yankees here. Uh, Benoit steps right up to roadblock, which I love. Just goes right at him. Uh, we're gonna have the San Francisco death match. Woman and Jackie cuff together, so that's a good step for Sunday. They keep they keep finding ways to keep that feud interesting. <laughs> like they keep amping it up for sure. Uh, Benoit really kicked the shit out of roadblock. Uh, mm -hmm. fun squash. It was different setup too, but it was fun to watch him beat down a big guy. Uh, and woman is, you know, also showing she's okay to get physical, right? She's trying to prep to deal with Jackie. So mm -hmm. I went two stars. I, I like this. This is kind of right in my wheelhouse for a, for a squash. All right. Uh, Tony lets us know the videotape's ready. They previewed the VHSC. It. They got it they, figured out. They previewed it. So it's, it's good to show. Um, it's in black and white. Six is man in the camera here. Um, they, they're like driving through some town. They see kind of a 
dingy looking house and they call it Luger's. Six says, is that Luger's house? Yeah. (laughs) Rough. Uh, They see the Steiners walking to their car in the gas station. He says, well, we know what they pay the boys in WCW. Make a pot shot at that. Oh, my God. He goes, oh, what a beater. (laughs) They know just the words to use. Like, like, you know, he could have said jalopy or like, look at that shit. I don't whatever. But like beater is such a fucking great diss of the car. Uh, yeah, someone's getting paid around here, not yeah. the Steiners. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nash says there can't be any cops around here. Uh, as they're leaving, they're driving like through the uh, gas station to follow the Einsteiners. Someone like from the gas station or whatever yells, how you doing? And Nash yells, I'm better than you. <laughs> Nash goes, well, we want to give a little tap ski. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they pull into the road. Uh, they talk about the Steiner's hotel accommodation. Say, they're, are they sharing a twin at the Motel 6? <laughs> One says no, a single and a cot or a plane. <laughs> so just killing it. <laughs> Nash speeds up, taps the Steiner's in the rear. They kind of, yeah, they, they road ra- race for a bit with the, uh, like, Scott like throws a drink or something at yeah, him. Throws a bottle of the car. Yeah. And so then they, uh, they, the outsiders pull around. Uh, you see Rick with one hand on the wheel with his hat, like yelling at the at the, uh, at the NWO. And they bark and, at him. They're barking at him. Yeah, and, and then and then we get uh, basically a, a pretty quick jump jump cut. Uh, and then the next thing we see is the Steiners like completely flipping over their car, like. I mean, terrible driving by Rick here. Like, I don't know what happened, but one minute he's parked. Why is Rick even driving? If you're Scott, are you get in a car, Rick driving. Well, I mean, one second he's barking, the next second they're doing a, you know, 360 through the woods here. Um, so then uh, Six says, hey, should we stop recording? Or, you know, is anybody around? Did anybody see that? Um, and they say, "Hey, turn the camera off," and uh, that's that's the end of that. Oh, so I, I thought this was a—I mean, you know, like it, I was interested to revisit this, and I thought it was a fun segment. I it think the spiders make it. Um, and I, I thought the way it was done was well done too. I mean, obviously, like there's a quick cut, you know, it's not the Steiners that are flipping around in this car. That poor stuff. But even man. the. But, Even the driving part, though, like, yeah, a little bit of a risk. I mean, the way yeah. they're doing it, like, like yeah. they're bumping into them and they're in the car. So, I mean, like, they were no. definitely, they definitely, like, pushed it a bit. And I think the cut wasn't, Justin. like, super. This is the same company where two people were having a match on the back of an 18-wheeler <laughs> flying down the highway two years before. So well, They're pushing it. Safety uh, goes out the window on these road adventures. The, uh, I thought the cut was pretty good, too. Like, I didn't think it was super obvious. Um, I mean, it was, it was, I think it's another fantastic outsider segment. Like, because what makes them so great isn't the angle of what they're doing. It's it's their lines and dialogue throughout the entire thing. Like it was the same with the Randy Anderson thing. It's the same here. It's their nonstop quips and lines that just make it work. Like they're, they're so legitimately funny and they're cracking jokes as they're doing this heinous stuff. Like they try to murder this tag team and they're fucking just, you know, (laughs) ripping on jokes like Luger living in the dump. Um, you know, the beater, <laughs> someone's getting pity here and not the Steiners. Like, mm-hmm. the delivery is so good. Um, 
the tap ski, the single with a cot fucking killed me. It was like one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever heard. <laughs> like this picture in the Stoners on a single bed with a cot. Um, you know, and then yeah, just the car flipping over. Like it was impactful, it was funny, it was well done. Uh I thought this was fantastic. It's every again, everything the outsiders have done have been fantastic, and this is right up there. Yep. Back to Raw. All right, so back up to Raw we go, and we get a WrestleMania 13 ad, and then we head to the ring where Hunter Hearst Helmsley is out to take on your boy, Bark Gunn. Hunter heads to the ring. We see that large woman uh, choking Marlena out last night, then ragdoll on her tonight in clips. King said he's shocked that someone looks like her would be in cahoots with Helmsley. So maybe she's an obsessed fan because he would never hang with someone that looks like that. Ross hypes the Slammies on March 21st after the break. Gun is in the ring, and Honky Tonk Man is in the booth, vows to win a slammy. Helmsley comes to the booth, and Ross asks if he's associated with the woman. Hunter denies knowing her, says he doesn't care. Honky thinks the woman could be in his category, says his list is ever-changing. A couple guys we he had on there have left, so he started over. <laughs> the search I can't the- tell you how depressed I was when Honky literally said, I'm starting from ground <laughs> zero. I was start like, this project over again. Oh. He's all flustered. Who do you think of the guys that left that he had eyeballed? Fake Razor, fake Diesel, maybe? <laughs> like, yeah, like who's left? Who else went? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we ease through some early counters. Honky keeps rambling about a search. Bart gets a hip toss, a drop kick. He works the arm. Ross plugs a superstar line. He says, we have an update on top superstars and interesting negotiations. Gunn works the arm as Honky and the King shit on Dr. James Andrews and Bo Jackson. <laughs> I don't know why they're ripping them apart. Hunter misses the charge to the corner. Bart goes back to the arm. Chases. Uh, Hunter turns the tide. He hammers away. But Goldoss comes out. He chases Hunter through the crowd. And Big Bart wins by countout. Uh, not much cooking here. Just a backdrop to, again, Goldust um, keeping the feud burning. It continues to be a pretty unpredictable night. They're really starting to heat up the Mania matches. It's obvious we're going to get Goldust Hunter at Mania. Uh, star and a half on this. Just, you know, honky not helping. The honker. Yeah, I want a star and a half here. Honky continues to be annoying for me. I did like Connor when uh, Ross asked him about that. He said, you know, I don't know who it is, but women go crazy for me throughout the world. So that's <laughs> line uh action itself was yeah very basic uh, i think i'm uh, officially jumping off the bark gun back. you're done that's so a good it, one. That's a good it was year. fun it was fun while it lasted but it's yeah, a good year I, yeah i think he's done all right nitro uh tony's just a pause says no question the outsiders caused this and this is a criminal act bobby calls the nwo liars uh, Tony says uh, we need to get the condition of the Steiners. Somebody needs to go reach out to them. So they're just appalled at what they just saw. Well, and they make a good point. They're like, the Outsiders acted like they'd be absolved. Yeah. Why would they air a tape of them basically committing a felony? <laughs> like, right. like, it's very weird. You know, it's a weird approach. Like, I know they're trying to brag on it or whatever, but it's like, yeah, they're basically providing footage of them doing this. And Tony's like, I cannot believe a company as big as WCW cannot locate one of the top tag teams <laughs> and find out their the, condition. Shitting on the communication here. Yeah, he's like, where the fuck are they? They like, can just get right off the road. He asked, Craig to go, he asked Craig to go figure that out. So get on it, Leathers. This guy is <laughs> a top axe. What are we doing? He's converted. A we didn't know they were in a ma- major car accident like a few days ago. Oh, boy. Uh, we get a Kevin Sullivan, Jackie, Jimmy Hart interview. Sullivan says Tampa's his house. He owns these streets. He didn't build a castle in a day, but Nancy oh, took, him inside shit. <laughs> he took him into a penthouse in Daytona and locked the key. 
his he has his freedom back, and now in San Francisco, they'd see whose fire was the hottest. Jackie then says Nancy tried to make something out of Kevin that wasn't right. She's no woman; she's a little girl, and they're too legit to quit. So, uh, what you what you think about this one? Uh, uh, it wasn't my favorite. Uh, again, it's way too much inside baseball from Sullivan. Um, you know, Jimmy said, "I'll be Nancy. inside too." And- I can't hit a woman, but Jackie can. Uh, you know, so he's going on about that. Mm-hmm. Woman finally says, or, or finally has someone that'll take her out. Um, they say too legit to quit multiple times. Jimmy says it too. So it was Nancy, it was Kevin and Chris, and then Nancy and Kevin, and then Chris and Nancy versus Kevin, and now Jackie's back. <laughs> I was like, like just Google through every fucking incarnation of everything. Um, you know, it says Tampa's where he was raised. He ran. He owned the streets. He never crossed the bridge. Uh, and then, yeah, Nancy is like fucking Maggie May took me to the penthouse in Daytona. Uh, and then now he's broke through the lock to get his freedom back. He's like on Main Street. The brothers are betting on them. Like, I don't like, I don't know what he's even talking about. Like he's, He went through so many different fucking allegories throughout this whole thing. Like I could not keep track of any of it. But the end net net is that Jackie's back. And you're going to kick the shit out of the little girl, Nancy. Um, and Jackie says Nancy has a big fat butt, and Gina's aghast. <laughs> Let's calm down. You know how dare you say that? Too far. 1997. We don't want big butt. <laughs> that was 2023. Be like, yeah, of course she's got a fat ass. We're all in on that. Dick. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin Sullivan versus Doc Dean. Straight another Kevin Sullivan showcase here. Um, so again, I mean, they are showcasing the people at the pay-per-view at least, but he, he beats the crap out of Doc Dean, and then he sends him to the outside, and Jackie continues the onslaught. Uh, Tony's loving it again this week. <laughs> Tony calling Jackie attacking people on the outside of the floor is becoming a quick highlight. Oh, he loves it, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the clothesline did look nasty. Uh, trio woe and double stomp ends it pretty quickly. And then even after the match, Jackie comes in and elbow drops the poor dude. So it really, I mean, this was straight out of tech wood, like a huge squash here. Uh, two yeah. stars. I enjoyed it. I went two and a quarter. It was great. Uh, just a brutal assault. I mean, just kicks the piss out of them. Uh, both of them, just a destruction. Sullivan's been reborn. I'll give him that. Like, this feud's been very good for him, but Jackie has really woken him back up. Like, he's mm-hmm. been lethal since she showed up. Uh, great atmosphere. Like, the crowd is still oohing and on for Jackie. Tony's losing his mind. Like, the whole thing is great. The whole pack, they've been great together. It's, it's been a wonderful addition. All right, we'll hop back over to Raw for a brief update on uh, Shawn Michaels. All right, so we go to Birmingham, where Dr. Andrews gives the update. So Sean's knee injury is five years old. He tore his ACL back in the day. The injury is back to being a chronic problem. He has a degenerated area. Maybe a little foreshadowing. <laughs> it is knee, and the twist set off the soreness. Andrews recommends rehab in San Antonio over surgery. He says he'll reassess in four to six weeks. Surgery is not ruled out, but they think rehab could get him back. So pretty big change from the last 10 days. Career over to... Maybe yeah, in four six to six weeks. weeks. Yeah. Uh, Ross says we'll have more updates on WF uh, network of shows over this weekend. So I don't know if those updates ever come, but for now, uh, we're looking at four to six for Sean rehab, not surgery. Yeah. I mean, this is, this goes back to what we talked about before, but you know, if, if he's that valuable and he's that committed and you know, he's that heartbroken mm-hmm. that he may, his career may be over, then I probably would have lined this up and said, like, I mean, I, I think I would have done something. And then you still could have said, well, you know, at this show, 
Sean can't defend the title. You know, right. he has this injury, but he'll be back soon, etc. Um, and do that to get it on to Brett Sid. or Sid, you know, still do the same thing. I, it, it just, it seemed, it seemed crazy. I mean, you know, that, that was Thursday and here we are Monday. So, you know, four days. Well, I think later, Sid, like, I think Sid just, Sid squashing him on Thursday or Thursday was the path. I mean, I, I think we talked about it. Like that would have been the path. Like yeah. he just squashes him, wins the belt. Um, Taker wins final four and you set up Taker Sid for Mania. Yeah, it just seems, I mean, in 96 hours, we went from him crying, uh, even King and Ross talking about how good he is. And, you know, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. But if anybody else could return to the ring, it'll be Michaels. To now you got Andrew saying, yeah, maybe four or six weeks we'll reevaluate. It's like, what happened? Yeah. So, seems weird. Uh, back to Nitro, Eddie Guerrero versus Conan. Some good mat wrestling to start. Uh, on commentary, they're talking about Piper's Rage. On the outside, Conan sends Eddie into the railing. Uh, he continues to dominate on the inside. I uh, thought Tanae added some cool commentary lines here where he says, like, there's some resentment towards Eddie by mm-hmm. thinking, like, he didn't live, like, a hard Mexican lifestyle growing up. So so kind of some authenticity issues uh, for Conan and others. So that's why they have a vendetta against each other. Uh, Eddie gets sent into the turnbuck on a clothesline. Uh, Tony, like you said, is shocked that NWO would, would uh, show that Steiner video. Tanae says that's just a part of their game mentality. Uh, Powerbomb by Conan. And uh, Tanae actually calls Conan the enforcer of the Dungeon of Doom, similar to what Arn Anderson is for the Four Horsemen. Uh, some Eddie chants fire up. We learn that officially it's going to be Prince Ikea versus Rey Mysterio at Super Brawl. Um, so I think that plays into this was just a quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, Bobby, this is a kind of crazy moment where Bobby asked for a Steiner update. And uh, Tony says, well, you know, it wasn't a fatality or anything like that. It's like, yeah, I'll be all right. Like, we went from zero to six. It's still pretty fucked up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, man. Uh, but he's concerned about maybe the neck or whatever, and that Scott was just coming back from injury. Uh, in the ring, Eddie comes back with a clothesline. He goes to the top for a frog splash, but gets caught. But then he's able to shrug him off and hit the frog splash. But before the three count happens, Barbarian comes in to cause the DQ. Mean then comes in and outruns Chris Jericho. Um, while this is happening, we learned Jericho and Guerrero are fighting a Super Brawl, which I don't think had been officially announced. No. That's news to us. Um, but Jericho kind of, you know, helps out here and then they stare each other down, um, you know, kind of to give off the vibe that, you know, they're, they're going to have a competitive match. Jericho doesn't want anything to happen to him uh, before that match. So good sportsmanship all around. Uh, two and a half stars here. Pretty good. Yeah, I went two and three quarters. I, and that was a fun match. I had a b- bunch of time. Uh, there was some wrestles blended in for Conan, but outside of that, it was a lot of sharp offense. Um, and the end was fine to protect Conan and hype up Guerrero Jericho. Uh, yeah, not much here. Just, uh, you know, Regal kind of got screwed in all this, loses the pay-per-view <laughs> match. Uh, I don't know if he was going to win or lose on, at Super Bowl, but they obviously switched it up. Right. Um, yeah, that's it. Hogan's arrived. They mentioned that as well. Uh, now for our long-form horseman interview. Uh, Gene says that the continuity the horsemen have right now reminds him of the mid-80s. Flair starts out first tonight. He says excitement's in the air because the horsemen are in town and are looking oh so good. Runs down how good-looking Deborah and woman are and then calls Chris Benoit a love machine. 
which is an interesting moniker. Uh, in a couple of weeks, they will own the wrestling world. Then Arn takes over and says, a short time back, the NWO had their way with everybody. He saw a lot of guys sitting on stools, shaking their heads, not knowing what to do. WCW seemed like a dead issue when Eric defected and went over to the NWO. But the one thing that Eric didn't take into consideration was the character of the guys he hired to work for WCW, the horsemen or the core of WCW. And now that he's seen one of his own and the NWO go to the hospital, Larry Zabisco stand up and be a man and Jimmy Jett do the right thing. Uh, he lets us know Randy Anderson is a friend of mine. He has $100,000 laying around somewhere that he can borrow. Uh, and the horsemen aren't stepping aside for anybody. So I thought this was a really good Arn promo. Yes, this is um, excellent. Again, him being injured, it kind of sucks. But, like, this was a good, like, let's rally the troops. Here's all the positive steps we've taken tonight. Um, classic Arn Anderson. Uh, Marco's next. <laughs> Uh, says he loves coming. He used to love coming down here and whipping up on the Bucks. He calls you <laughs> more the Dungeon of Dud, and he hopes Jarrett was watching because this weekend he is mine. So there you go, Deborah. Uh, says well, then she, he goes, Deborah, where's your mind at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says these awkward transitions. Wants to give a check for her. Uh, Deborah says she's judged hundreds of beauty pageants and knows what to look for in a winner. Um, but she does say the announcers need to get their act straight <laughs> that, uh, you know, they've got it all wrong that she's just, you know, looking out for Jeff thinks he'll be a big, you know, benefit. Yeah, she doesn't want him to get injured. They need him yeah. against the NWO. Yeah. Now she's not one to gossip, of course, but Jackie can't walk in a pair of pumps. Like her granny said, that girl is so bow-legged she couldn't catch a pig in a ditch. So <laughs> I, 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 even from the South, I was not familiar with yeah, that. A different uh, one. Yeah. No, no, not, not that one. Uh, Benoit closes out here, says Sullivan claims this is his backyard. He'll do anything he has done in the past and kick the door down and make a statement. Over all the peaks and valleys, I've never strayed from the path of righteousness and what he believes in. This fight isn't about a three count. It's about what's in his soul. Prepare yourself, Sullivan, for him to win. He's going to have to take his soul. So some more deep stuff. Um, You know, I mean, we've seen now 20 of these promos probably of all the horsemen together. Uh, they kind of had a lot going on. I, I, you know, this one was a little bit rambly. They even tried to... I don't know if it was a shoot or not, but at the end, Ben was like, don't cut me off. I'm finishing. Or don't yeah, he was like off. the most aggressive he's been. Like, yeah, it was like, all right, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, he says Kevin doesn't own Nancy. That was another thing he got in. Yeah, yeah. It, so, um, I mean, I thought, I thought portions of this were really good. Other portions, a little bit of a mess, but overall it was fine. Yeah, I mean, Flair was whatever. I thought Arn was tremendous. I thought Deborah was very good. Benoit was very good. Um, they're locked in, so whatever. I mean, like you said, we've seen a ton of these. It was no different than most of them, but the Arn's part might be one of the best we've seen. Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Well, it was just one of those crazy. It's a heat check Arn Anderson promos. One that, you know yeah. didn't remember at all, and it was completely captivating. It's why he's one of the best promo people of all time. Yeah. Going back? Are we still here? Not main event time. All right, so here we go to Nashville, and it is time, finally, for Brett the Hitman Hart defending the world title against Psycho Sid. Sid is it's out. Time. Ross says, huh? It's time. <laughs> Ross says, they will deliver on the promise. We're finally here. We get clips of Austin's attacks from earlier. Hart comes to the ring. A lot of earlier tonight replays, as they're obviously trying to keep viewers locked in and see what's yeah. going on. They know they're switching now. Then we get the full two-hour head-to-head. 
After a break, Brett attacks at the bell, hammers away. Sid flips it around, barrages the champ, throws him to the corner. Sid targets the back, cuts off a comeback with a hard clothesline. The crowd is very into Sid. He's pounding on the champion. Brett cuts him off with a backbreaker, starts to get into some of his closing offense. We get a smattering of booze for the hitman. Brett slugs away, but Sid goes to the back. All of this has been hard strikes from both guys. Brett is hurting. Sid stomps away. Brett rallies, goes in on the leg. Brett hooks a ring post figure four. Sid is yelling in pain. After the break, he's still beating on the leg. Sid limps back into things, hits the leg drop for two, slams Brett, hits a leg drop off the middle rope. Brett blocks a choke slam with a kick, hammers away, but crotches himself when he tries to come off the top. Brett throws Sid down to the floor as Steve Austin is back out through the crowd. Sid knocks Austin down right away, which is pretty funny. Uh, he heads back inside. Brett gets a sunset uh, sunset flip, twists Sid into a sharpshooter. Austin gets on the apron. He hits Brett with a vicious chair shot to the head. Brett crumples down. Austin leaves as Sid powerbombs Brett and wins the world title. A very surprising title change at the time for me. Gets a big pop. The lights dip down. Taker's music hits. He stalks to the aisle and stares down Sid as we wrap up to obviously set up WrestleMania. Uh, not a ton early, but it really picked up. I thought the finish was great. The title change again was surprising. Like Sid being a two-time champion to me is one of the biggest shockers they did during this time. Like him winning at MSG felt like lightning in the bottle. Loses to Sean. It kind of felt like he'd be like a, a gatekeeper type guy, but he's been right in the mix. And now he's going to be your champion going into Mania, which is yeah. pretty wild. Not anything you probably would have thought of, you know, four or five months ago. Um, and he's lined up for Taker now. Brett and Austin obviously seems destined for Mania at this point. It's a big moment. It's the first ever world title change on Raw. So, again, things are changing. It's a, it's a real big angle that they shot. Austin is a menace. Um, one of my favorite parts of the finish is the air horn that goes off when Austin hits Brett with the chair. Like, this adds to the chaos in the crowd. So I ended up going three and a quarter. Like, I think it's one of the better matches we've seen in a while on Raw. Um, I thought it was really well done. The title change was good, and it was a great main event to close out on. Yeah, I went three and a quarter, too. Uh, exciting match. Uh, liked Ross on commentary a lot, talking about how heart should be hurting after last night. Um, I thought it was cool that they did the rewind cl uh, clip coming back from the break, showing Taker giving Vader the big boot with the chair and him bleeding. Um, and then the match really ramps up uh, from the figure four post spot, which Ross says he, you know, he never seen again or seen before. Um, Sharpshooter looked good. I, I thought it was a nice visual where it looks like Sid may power out of that, but he doesn't really break it. And we're also saying we've never seen anyone break the sharpshooter. Um, that built a lot of intrigue. And then Austin absolutely cracks Brett with the chair. Uh, power bomb and the new champion and the pop was there. I mean, the, you know, you just didn't see a lot of world title changes on TV. So I think it was not a surprise that it was there. Between MSG and here, like Sid's getting these huge reactions when he wins the title, at least. Yeah. Um. So, so that gets a good pop, and then we see the lights go out and Taker come down for the stare down. So, so overall, really good main event. I mean, this was better, much better than their match on its time. So, oh yeah, yeah, way so, more exciting. A lot it, more tight, and it's yeah. Chaotic. I think it gives more validation to where they're going with Brett too. Like the crowd has been a little wishy washy, and like you, they gotta know. That where Austin's at, he's gonna out pop. Right? I mean, it's gonna be obvious. Like they had to know going into Mania. Like, okay, <clears throat> Austin is just so red hot. We just saw sit out pop, Brett. Like, you know, it's it's coming. Right. And even the reaction to Final Four was kind of soft, and Brett won the belt. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the pop for Sid winning here was better than Brett. Oh yeah, um, easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
All right, you want to do our awards? That's it overall. Uh, yeah, let's hit those real quick. So obviously, match match of the night's pretty clear. It's uh, Brett and Sid. Uh, yeah. Best moment, I went with with Sid winning the title. Yeah, biggest, okay. biggest moment. That said, though, I went with Austin as uh, MVP. Like, yeah, Austin's my MVP. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, shots fired. We had the King ripping ECW and WCW. Mentioned the Memphis sign and Gorilla. You know, and and Ross basically saying we're going to deliver on our promise. Yeah, I mean, said so one of the titles interesting because you could. I mean, I think I guess we glossed over that, but you really could do ECW, mm. and you also could do China. I mean, there's there's options here, which for all that's good because there's usually not many options on moment of the night. No, there's there's a lot going on for sure. Yeah. Um, on the show, uh, Paul Heyman was the only debut we had. Yeah, uh, no Farouk match, nothing, no dropped angles, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I, went, yeah. I want to monitor the Bulldog Owen situation. Yeah, we're not um, done yet. We're not done yet. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go seven out of ten on the episode itself. I thought it's a strong night after we had shit happening, we had some good, like, different matches. The arena, the vibe was good. I thought the show long angle was great with Austin, Sid, and Brett. Um, you know, th- this stands out as a very historic Raw. Like I said, it's also the first ever title, world title change on TV for Raw. So, All right. Yeah, I want seven out of 10, too. Very good. And I, I, and I think it might be the last one until, well, no, I guess a year later, 98, there's one. So, yeah. um, that's yeah. one for a while for us. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the first one on TV we've seen. So, yeah. There you go. And the podcast. Alrighty. Oh no, no. Take that back. Giant beat flare. Right, right, yeah. Okay. But for raw, I mean for, for raw it is. Yeah. Unless you count there's your others. <laughs> oh god. Uh back to so so again, all this happens after pretty much after Raw goes off the air. So they have yeah, like so they had a long overrun. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh so it's a handicap match, it's the giant versus Top Gun, who's the Cuban assassin under a hood, uh, and Johnny Swinger. Uh, Swinger gets a quick drop kick in, but a giant responds with a big choke slam to put him down. And then Top Gun, who, uh, you know, <laughs> Top Gun, <laughs> Cuban assassin, poor guy. No ice man. Definitely. Yeah, no, no. Instead of Goose, he looked like turkey out there. Uh, he, he gets uh, gobbled up real quickly and gets a choke slam of his own. So a, a half a star here. Uh, nothing to the match, right? No, half a star. Okay. Yeah, it's really funny. Okay. After, after the match, I thought this was cool. Giant uh, gets some spray paint and spray paints Hall and Nash on their backs. Uh, Gene and Luger comes out. Bobby has a funny line where he says uh, for the Giant to spray stupid on top of Gene's head. Uh, Giant says that, you know, he's facing the outsiders, but he's heard Luger has some good news. Lex Luger lets us know he has an official WCW uh, peruser medical clearance that he can wrestle with a protective device. So, so a lot of legality information here. Uh, Lawler Gene immediately puts on his glasses. He wants to take a look at this, so I guess he can vouch it. Um, and then uh, Luger says we're going to see some racking and some choke slamming at Super Brawl. Um, while that happens, Bischoff runs out again, says to hold the phone. He lets us know that Luger's about 167 hours late, that the deadline for him to produce this document was the end of last week's show. They have deadlines and obligations, and he will not wrestle in San Francisco. We don't make matches by the seat of our pants. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, funny. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of kind of pod shots here. Uh, Luger says that he's a pathetic little creature, 
and that, you know, he may can prevent him from wrestling, but he can't prevent him from getting on an airplane, getting going to a hotel room, blah, 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 at San Francisco. So basically saying that he'll be at San Francisco. Um, and then Eric calls Giant a furball. <laughs> yeah. A weird, weird uh, thing, but they chase him to the back. So so I like the, I mean, I like most of this in the, the interview. It, it was fine. Nothing groundbreaking. But I like Luger and Giant as a superpower. So WCW, like it's a good team. It's a cool team. Um, you know, they're very energetic in there. And it's a wrecking ball of a team as well. Luger basically says, yeah, I'll be there. You can't. And Bischoff says, I'll fire you both. So uh, we'll see where it's going to, how it's going to play out a Super Bowl for sure. Uh, but I, I thought it was well done across the board. And Bischoff continues to use his power. And again, if you know where things are going, they set it up pretty well overall. Like they really did. Um, showing why why Bischoff needs to be checked. Yeah. Uh, now an infamous interview segment, whatever. We're at Alcatraz. So they pan to Piper in a cell with some like bad lighting that's flickering or whatever. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but it's Roddy Piper live from Alcatraz. He says not even Taz does Alcatraz. Uh, I guess he, he meant Looney Tunes character. Or yes, not, but not it wasn't funny like thing. I was like, wow, he's he's taking shots. At Let me guys. tell you something, Piper. Yeah. Um, he yells in the toilet. Hogan, are you listening to me? Says for twenty eight years he fought to get a family. He was on the street at 13 and been dead inside. He's coming to the Cow Palace dead because of Mr. Spandex. He calls Hogan the cheapest low-life snake he's ever seen, telling people he's hiding behind his boy. This isn't a wrestling promo to draw tickets. He calls Hogan a paisan talking to kids about vitamins. He talks about how proud of his family he personally is. He talks about his hip and said he never complained. Let's get mean to the extreme, and we do our push-ups and training in Alcatraz. He's going to stay here for seven days and nights, and then we'll destroy Hulk Hogan. Do you need another pay-per-view to buy a yacht in Hollywood? You've played with the wrong man in San Francisco. He's going to teach him that pain is a four-letter word. Let's take a walk on the wild side. And then he does a, do do? Does some uh, push-ups as we fade out. All right. Here may be my hot take on this show. I thought this was way better than history remembers it. I like, agree. It, it was good. It is not as long. It no. is not as meandering. Uh, Piper has some weird, you know, a couple of weird pop culture references with Taz and Take a Walk on the Wild Side. But, I mean, this is a four-minute promo. I mean, it's goofy. He's in a prison cell. But, but there's but logic I, behind it, right? He's in the I, city of the pay-per-view, yeah, and he locked yes. himself away to make himself crazy to beat the shit out of Hogan. Yes, it's, yes. It's he logical. He did an unhinged promo. This, this, I think, being called bad, like, I'll die on the hill. I think this is a good promo and a good segment that's that's fine to uh, build to the pay-per-view. I'm glad you, you agreed because when we were talking about this episode, you're like, oh, we're going to have an infamous segment. Here. Like, I, I, I yeah. heard it in your voice that you thought this is it sucked, but well, it gets like, presented like that. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you just think of like, oh, remember Piper and Alcatraz? Like, that was terrible. No, awesome. I, I thought it was great too. Uh, um, really well done. I love him yelling in the toilet, like acting like Hogan's in the toilet. Uh, you know, he's he's on the borderline of crazy, but still kind of got it together. Uh, you know, funny line about how he, he doesn't walk through airports and kilts. Hogan walks through with, with his spandex and his big blonde hair because he wants to be recognized. Right. So he's just basically saying Hogan's a glory hound. He needs the spotlight yeah. and he feeds off it, whereas Piper just is a wrestler 
Um, it was bizarre, but I like it that it was different. Like, why not use your surroundings? You're in San Francisco. You have the setting that you can use. Like, why not do it? So I'm with you. I thought it was really, really good. I thought Piper's hit rate continues to be pretty high for WCW so far. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really had a miss, which is not going to hold for long. But it's <laughs> for right now, going into the show, he's done a good job selling it. So, no, I'm with you. This this worked very well. It was different. It was unique. And, and Piper did a good job. Yeah. So uh, the, any any like WCW wrestle crap mixtapes, if you putting putting this on there, I think you got beef with me. Yeah. I, well, especially uh, I think it's it probably holds up on its own too if we just watched it. But I think especially since we're watching everything and play out in in order, like it it really hammers home because you've seen his progression into madness <laughs> through what Hogan's done to him and been driving him insane. The attack after Super Brawl, the lies, you know, the shit with his kid, like they really pushed him into this place of just driving himself nuts, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just like jaded towards like modern wrestling so much now, but I mean, good God, when I was watching this, I was like, okay, a, like this is not nearly as goofy as anything going on with MJF and Adam Cole right now. Like this is presented much more serious and two, um, I sound like Buzz. A two three. Um, <laughs> D. Uh, but but two. This is also not nearly as long as these bloodline interview segments that last thirty five minutes either. Like I mean, Piper got a lot of points across, and again under five minutes here. Like this exactly. is skills not, probably probably came into play for that. You know, not 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 a long drawn out promo. So no, I, it was good. I, it was I good. Did. I had no qualms for me. It was it was well yeah. done. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Jeff Jarrett. Speaking of dynamite, I thought I might be watching. How do we still have another match at this point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this could be on dynamite this week. Uh, so back kick from Jericho to start. I, by the way, I loved going from Piper yelling like a madman into dun, 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 as Chris yeah. Jericho comes out. It was such a dichotomy of presentation. We continue to be like back and forth on the WCW shows where we get to break the walls down. WWE yeah, yeah, no, we got the actual song here. Yeah. Um, so back kick from Jericho to start, stun gun from Jeff, Deborah's out, some good reversals and pen and tips from Jarrett, cross body from the top by Jarrett, but Jericho kind of floats over, gets a two count after that. Mongo then comes out, he's yelling at Deborah, what are you doing? Uh, Jericho gets a tiger driver, goes to the top. Deborah says, you know, please don't hurt him, Chris. I'm begging you, <laughs> so pleading for uh, Jericho not to uh, hurt Jarrett. Jericho misses the dive off the top. Jarrett locks on the figure four. And then Deborah like directs Mongo to help Jarrett out. So she distracts referee Mark Curtis. Mongo rolls in with the Halliburton, but ends up whacking Jeff Jarrett with it, uh, allowing Jericho to get the pin. Deborah's, of course, pissed. And Mongo's pretty funny saying, hey, I did what I thought you wanted to do. <laughs> like, I did dumb with it. Uh, so, I mean, a pretty quick match, but it had some good action to it. I went two and a quarter. Yeah, I went two stars. I mean, it was all more story stuff, more than match. Again, uh, Tony, you know, making sure we know we're past 10 o'clock now at this point. Uh, Tony says Hogan should have left Piper alone after Memphis, and now he's going to deal with this madman. So they're really hyping up. Like, Hogan's in some trouble. (laughs) This guy's off the fucking deep end, and you're going to deal with it. Uh, The Jericho music thing goes with some of the other music. I feel like it depended on if they aired it on other stuff. They pulled, like, if they aired this on 24-7 back in the day or, like, a DVD, that's when they really would dub some of these songs. I think the ones they just roll out on the network, I think they just Good to go. didn't bother. Um, but anyway, so, yeah. Made Tony, 
Tony resets us at the booth. He says they're spilling into the third hour. They talk about the main event at Super Brawl a little bit, and now comes Hogan with the NWO music. Uh, the NWO B team's kind of cheering him on at the entranceway, but he makes his way down to the ring with Eric Bischoff, Miss Elizabeth, and Ted DiBiase. Uh, Bischoff gets on the microphone first, says Piper can do whatever, but you know he can't touch Hollywood. Hogan then says everyone knows Piper's nuts to get back into the ring with Hogan. He'll get his brains beat out again. He's crazy to tell his kids he's coming home. While this happens, Sting and Macho Man walk out on the entrance way. Crowd reacts to that. Uh, Bischoff saying Piper's history. And then Hogan adds that he put Piper on the map. It looks for a moment like Sting and Macho Man are going to walk down, but then they kind of turn around and walk away. Mm -hmm. So that's it for them. And uh, then we wrap it up pretty quickly where Hogan says now he's locked in the cell. He'll bring his children to the cow palace and ride him like the dog he is. Uh, and they put the NWO music to fade out. So this, I think this was a pretty, you know, this is a pretty quick segment here. Just right, basically, yeah, get, out, yeah. yeah, get Sting and Macho Man out. So you have that intrigue leading into the pay-per-view of on that point is successful to me. I mean, it was, it was fine. Yeah, today says they formed a bond, you know, so they're really hyping up that Savage and Sting are going to be a unit, um, maybe a third entity, right, against WCW and NWO is kind of how they're positioning it a bit. I thought Hogan was good as the usual, you know, craziness. Um, Liz still looking sad, not for long, but she's still looking sad. Um, you know, says Piper's going to get his veins, brains beat out. Piper's history. Uh, Hogan says, I used to hang in Tampa, but he's a god here. He put Venice Beach, Madison Square Garden, Portland, WCW, and NWO on the map. I didn't, did he spend a lot of time in Portland? Or is he just, is that a shot of Piper, I guess? Portland guy. Yeah, I think yeah. that's just a shot of my Piper. You know, Scott's compilation. Um, so, and then he says, uh, half of the California public should be in the cell with Piper, which was quite the dig. <laughs> Early Gavin Newsom hate. Um, so, and he said Piper's going to have his kids in San Francisco with him. So, yeah, it was good. It was a good final sell. I mean, if you're, if you watch the last 20 minutes of the show, you're pretty well sold on the main event of Super Bowl, I think. All right. Ready to do our awards here? Yep. So, match of the night, I had Mysterio and Kolo. Yep. Agreed. Uh, moment, I went with the Outsiders, Road Rage. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was a couple. I actually went with Alcatraz. Yeah, that was good. It was good, too. Um, MVP, again, we had some options. I went Sullivan and Jackie. Like, oh. That fucking beatdown was so good. That was my favorite part of the show. Was them just yeah. beat the show? I mean, that and the outsiders. So outsiders are probably the real MVPs. But like, I, I, I love Sullivan and Jackie. I thought they were fantastic. Yeah, I went. I mean, I could have went with both outsiders because uh, Hall did get fired up with Larry. But I ended up going Nash. I thought he had some great one-liners in the uh, video. All right, no shots fired really tonight. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, there's. A couple minor things here and there, but yep. Nothing major. Uh, debuts, we had Robbie Brookside, Doc Dean, Top Gun, and Johnny Swinger. Hard the Road Report. The Road, <laughs> what a Survivor Series team. Uh, the Road Report was in San Francisco. No Hollywood Blondes music. No Japanese music. Uh, great episode of Nitro. I went 8 out of 10. Yeah, I went 7.5 out of 10 right below. Yeah, I think, you know, had a couple. if we'd had a couple good matches it, it could have been an eight out of ten but um long long episode but very entertaining thought it did a good job of hyping super brawl and a tough night for for dirty f like they delivered a really good show probably one of the best in a while uh 
and then well, I, guess, I mean the one a couple weeks ago was was pretty good too. But yeah, I mean I, I think this is encouraging. I mean I think this yeah. to go you know a couple hours ago and you're now we're in it. I mean this shows like these we're in two it. shows, these two shows were both very good shows, and it's yeah. nice that. You know, when you when I was watching them back and forth, like we do for the pod, it, it was exciting to say, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. You know, I was pausing, um, had a had a good flow to it, I had a real good time. And I mean, it's like I said, Nitro was really long. Raw's now two hours. So I mean, this was three and a half hours of wrestling I watched, and it was very entertaining back and forth. Yeah, I mean, fifteen out of twenty combined score, so yeah. pretty good. Um, and we got some some epic Raws. Not far off. <laughs> we get some real memorable ones coming soon. So, um, all right. So, combo awards. Uh, Nitro we had as the best show. I think Brent and Sid for best match. Yep. I would vouch for Outsiders driving Steiners off the road for the best overall segment of the night. I mean, Alcatraz was very good, but I don't know. You want to fight about it or? No, yeah, we can go with that. All right. Better commentary was. I'm going to Nitro. I thought Lawler was good with the Heyman stuff and Ross was on point in the main event, but. Um, also, I, it's very much improved on Raw that they went yeah. with just uh, Ross and Wall. Well, Vince will be back soon, but, but yeah, we, got, wow. we have more events. We got more events until October, at least. Um, star of the night, uh, I don't know. I outside, you want to go Austin? Okay. Austin. Ratings winner, obviously Nitro. Yeah, but not 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 very good. This is uh, this is kind of shot. I mean, Raw's a two point one, which is where they've been. Um, you know, they've been hanging. It's actually a little bit down for Raw. They've been 2.3, 2.2, 2. 2. 2. 2. Uh, So they were 2.6 on the February 3rd, which was nice. But we got 2.1 tonight. But Nitro is the bigger story here. They're 2.9. So they still win, but it's only a 0. 0.08 uh, or 0. 0.8 margin of victory. And 2.9 is the lowest Nitro rating since. Uh, July 22nd. Wow. So, six months they have not had a lower rating than that. So, so we had, I mean, Raw, a lot of hype coming off the pay-per-view, a lot of intrigue, but their rating's not up significantly, right? So, it's nope. not like it. So, I don't know, President's Day weekend? Stuff Maybe. Going on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's February sweeps. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, a big shit. deal. So. Yeah, not an Olympic year. But just, uh, I mean, it kind of kind of weird. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Raw wasn't up, so you can't say it was like after pay-per-view bump. Right. I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah. right, we'll see you next week. All right, so that'll do it. A huge night uh, in the books. So next episode, we'll be back two weeks from today with Super Brawl 1997, Super Bowl 7. So that'll be a fun look there. And then a month from today, one of the most infamous Raws in history uh, from the Manhattan Center plus uh, the fallout from Super Bowl and Nitro. So a lot going on here on the War Zone. Check out everything in North-South Connection, both on YouTube here as well as on all podcast applications. want to thank you for all your love and support. Leave a comment, leave a like. Smell the napalm. We're out. We're in it.